Hi, I'm Raymond, and you're listening to Insert Quest here. Today we're playing Apocalypse World. This is our Verdant Mountain slash Reclaimed Earth campaign. Uh, I am the GM. Uh, why don't our players introduce themselves, starting with Alex? All right. Hello, everyone who is listening. I am Alex, and I am playing the water bearer, Canteen Ayazma. He is in charge of, uh, I wrote it down, he is, it's the Aquifer of the Soul, which is sort of the, uh, the church of our hold. Uh, people come and worship, and they, they take a sip of the water, uh, which is fragrant and has healing properties. Um, and he is the uh, he is in charge of that. He is a man with ornate wear, a strong face, watchful eyes, and a mended body. He walks around wearing a gold toga and a plain sort of like leather strap sandals. And he has an ornamental chain, which uh, has hanging from it vials of water from the source, which I decided after last time, uh, they are potions that are brewed by Lissa the Brewer. And what she does is they take some of the water and boil it uh, and have a setup so that the steam like collects on a plate. And after after if you do that enough, you get a little bit of like a powder of the stuff that's in the water that makes it a heat like gives it its healing properties. So then they take that and they put it into vials of water and make like a super concentrate. So if it's a restorative. Gets Exactly. Da, 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 da. So that's what those are. Uh, uh, I think that's it for now. Unless there's anything Brilliant. else. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, Brandon. Yes. Uh, I'm Brandon. And I am playing Ozair. Ozair is the savvy head. They make stuff. They're kind of pretty. Very pretty. Um, ambiguously gendered, you know, that kind of person. They have a gun. Not much else I can say about Ozair. They're kind of shitty didn't, personality-wise. Didn't Ozair recently gain access to some cool gear? Do you not want to talk about that? You'll reveal that to us in-game, presumably, when you use it. When you said ambiguously gendered, I just started thinking the ambiguously gendered savvy head. The ambiguously gendered savvy head. Yelling at people for no reason. Hating my family except when they're useful. And sometimes even then. And sometimes even then. Uh, And Ryan. Um, Hey everybody, I am Ryan. Today I'm going to be playing the Maestro D. My character's name is Saffron. He is transgressing. He wears vintage wear. Um, Let me get the specific description because I do have one. Uh, He is usually wearing a red semi-formal sport coat with black bow tie and matching black pocket square. Uh, Sometimes he wears uh, a hat, a Hamburg hat. He wears a porcelain tragedy mask. Um... He has mischievous eyes, a curvy body, and very precise hands. And he runs a sex theater aboard a riverboat. Oh, everything's better with riverboats. Yeah, it's like racism. 
Would Brilliant. anyone like to change highlighted stats before we continue on? Indeed. Would anyone want to change them? Um, uh, I think I will actually... I highlighted everyone sharp last time, I believe. Yes. This game, I'm going to highlight all of your weirds. Right, well, my, my weird is already highlighted, so I'm going to need some <gasps> highlights. Yes. The uh, the last time I rolled a weird move, I had a seizure and fell over. So, <laughs> um, well, if if the other players don't want to change the highlighted sets, then I'll just say for Alex's one, I'll change I'll yours to hot. You can just change all of ours to weird, and we can just do you know. That's true. I'll change all yours to weird, and we'll redo the highlighting. Okay. Show. So it's the person with our the highest hicks with yeah. us picks our other stat. All right. Yep. So who's going first? You. Okay, so Saffron, <laughs> give me a stats. Um, I'm going to say hard. Alright. I can do that. So hard. Alright, and I'll go next. Hard uh, and weird. <laughs> uh, Ayazama. Um, I'll give you hot. Hot. Hot is already hi highlighted, so I'm hot and weird. Oh, that yeah. is an apt description. I figured if this, if this is going to be character, if this is going to be your show, you should probably have your hot. Yeah. <laughs> and saffron for me, I already have weird highlighted, and I have a move that replaces do something under fire with weird, and any battle move that calls for hard, I roll, roll weird instead. So, with knowing that. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with cool for you, then. Uh, I am rolling uh, weird instead of cool for... Oh, for, for do something under fire. Okay. Uh, you know what? Sharp. Okay. We'll go back to you, sharp. That's important for a savvy head, right? My two good stats. You're even more inclined to use them now. I was always inclined to use them forever. Well, now yeah, you're like 60 degrees inclined instead of like 45. And then I'll make my whatever, and then we can start. Indeed. Do your whatever. Go for it. I'm going to drink more tea. Uh, then I fail. Six, five, six, seven. So, no, I didn't fail. Um, so I have to hold one so you can... Me or you can spend it to be there. We will use this at some point. At Ooh. some point, I suspect you will use it. Yes. I got an experience point. Because <laughs> <laughs> you rolled your thing. Alright, brilliant. So, we've already sort of talked about what, uh, at the end of last run, and a little bit um, when we were getting ready this week. Like, uh, the focus of this session, to a degree. Um, Ozea needs to start. Someone, I can hear myself echoing. My mic was muted, so it wasn't me. Indeed. <laughs> it was, uh, Brandon or Ryan. Hang on, I'll mute mine. Cool. Sweet. Uh, so... Ozair is putting together a team, 
and a plan to go get these lights from this structure that no one's really sure what it is or what it used to be, but it's got lights on it. That much is known. Uh, the other thing that is happening is that it is uh, the opening performance of the spring season show uh, at Saffron's uh, Riverboat Theatre, Riverboat Sex Theatre. So those are kind of what we're going to be dealing with. But I have a question for all of you before we get to that. At the end of the last run, there was, or sort of in the middle of the last run, there was a fire at one of the nearby holds, one of their little outposts, uh, an orchard where the burners raise their children. Now, the burners are semi-nomadic, so it wasn't clear whether they were actually there when this place was attacked and uh, their fuel stock was set fire to. Um, I want you guys to tell me, do you think it was... Do you want it to have been inhabited or not? Uh, I think there would always be at least a small presence there. Like, if they're keeping fuel there, there would have at least been, like, a few people guarding it. Mm -hmm. At the very least. So the orchards are considered safe places to raise children. So I guess if there was somebody uh, mining the supplies, that doesn't necessarily mean that the children were currently there. Do you guys think that the children would have currently been there? Uh, I don't know. Mm, I guess yeah. if we ever go there, we'll find out. Because mm. we don't mm. know. Mm, I, don't, no. I don't know if I want to hop on child murder right away. Mm, pretty brutal, awful child murder as well. They yeah. all died of smoke inhalation and then burned to a crisp. That's better? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, my vote is for no, there were no children there. There were people there, like I said, guarding, mm -hmm. you know, just making sure the place didn't get too overgrown by the verdant and that their fuel stores were safe. Yeah. So but it was a bare bones presence. Yeah, skeleton crew, basically. That's what we're going with? Yeah. Alright, cool. Saffron's theater rats are the only children who smoke. <laughs> oh. Oh my. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> My goodness, Ryan. I love it. Well, so that's a thing that I will comment on as the game goes on this session. Um, so I think we should kick things off with uh, Ozair. So I think the first half of this is probably going to focus pretty heavily on Ozair, which gives Ryan plenty of time to think of how he's going to describe an erotic theatre production to us. Well, that's uh, Ryan's weekly night activity, so he already knows how to describe that. Um, but, so, where are we time-wise? Like, this is, is this right after? Is this the morning after? Well, say it's the morning after, and we'll assume that you've all done the regular morning routine that you guys do, because we've sort of established that the last two games. 
So don't necessarily... uh, if that's the case, I was going to. Um, I actually have a move that I ha haven't used, like called "Step Into the Flow." When you lead a group in true ceremony, I roll plus cool, and things can happen. Well, in that case, we might do that first, and then we'll jump back to Ozair. Okay. Does that sound good? Cool. All right. So we'll do that then. Wanna... All right. So I'm going to roll because uh, I'm leading them in ceremony. Do and... you roll before you describe yourself leading them in ceremony or after? Um, it's when you lead a group of true ceremony, roll plus cool. On a 10 plus, I choose two from this list here. On a 7 to 9, I choose one. On a miss, the world psychic mm -hmm. maelstrom interferes. Yeah, are the, really, are the really lists... <laughs> really? So, oh, okay. so uh, the, the options are... Anyone sick is healed, anyone distraught is calm, anyone lost is reassured, anyone injured is healed, anyone bereft is comforted, and the source speaks to you. Alright, so yeah, that makes sense to roll first, because then you can tell us what you're saying based on the results right. you choose. Yeah, so I rolled an 8, plus my cool is 10, so I choose 2. Um, so since things have been pretty crazy here lately... Uh, I'm going to go with anyone distraught is calmed. And I'm also going to go with the source speaks to you. Because I kind of want to see what that's all about. Uh, so, Father, uh, Father Canteen Ayazama uh, starts with his, his normal ritual uh, of, you know, they, they say like a little blessing and thank, thank the Verdant for the, the source. Uh, at the you know the aquifer of the soul, and he passes the bowl around, and he starts to give a sermon about how uh, in in trying times, the most important thing that we could do is stick together as a community, and how we're stronger together, uh, and tries to comfort, you know, reassure people. That things are going to be okay. We've we've gone through worse before. Remember, twenty years ago, when the burners were our enemies and they tried to burn us all out of our homes. We overcame that, and we overcame the bombs that the yellow kin would throw at us, and we turned them into allies too. So, the the next ones up is uh, the mountain men, and we will, or the mountaineers, and we will, you know, we will persevere through this, and we will all be stronger for it in the end. Nice. This is the second campaign I've run where a religious leader is preaching the importance of community and togetherness. <laughs> I say I've run. Sorry, I've been in. The other one was run by Ryan. Yes. Uh, and then Ayazama takes like a huge gulp of the, of the water from the source and the source speaks to him. <gasps> oh my goodness. So I think that's up to you. Oh. So, tell me, has the source spoken to Ayazama before? Yes. Not frequently, but on occasion. What What does the source communicating sound like, appear as? What is, what is, how does the source, how does the source speak to Ayazama? Um, it's, it comes to him... Uh, it's, it's, it, it feels like, um, he's flowing in a river. So like he, when he, sometimes when he just takes a big, uh, a big draft of the, the water 
uh, it, it hits him in a certain way, and it feels like his consciousness is flowing through a river, through a majestic forest, and he, uh, it doesn't actually speak, but he sees things on the banks of the river hmm. that are somehow pertinent to... Oh, I mean, not necessarily. It just says the source speaks to you, so doesn't have to be pertinent. Okay. Uh, so as you drink from the waters, you start to feel a rushing around you, and a and a cool, but nurturing nurturing is the wrong word. A cool uh, water, almost like. Um, when you're enjoying a swim. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you sort of see a river cutting through the crowd in front of you as the scene sort of fades into the background a bit. And you see a riverbank, uh, a much... Uh, thinner looking forest than the verdant there's space to easily walk through the trees it's almost like a tended garden but it still feels natural like part of the landscape and you see every now and again there's these people on the banks you don't recognize a lot of them but you but a few stand out to you one in particular is a previous canteen uh, before, uh, even though a canteen before you, you only recognize them based on description. Interesting. Another person you see looks like one of the yellow kin. Um, think uh, mining garb mixed with ceremonial robes. Uh, it's a very strange mixture. Um, miner's helmets, like, cut up into pieces and worn as ornament. You know, little sort of geometric shapes made of hardened plastic. Um, and things like that. Uh, then you see Ozaire. And then uh, someone uh, that reminds you of a burner. You don't quite recognize them at first, but then you realize that it is... Where is their name? It is fi uh, Finer Sasha of the burner. Finer being short for refiner. Oh, fi Finer Sasha. Okay. Yeah, someone that makes fuel, as opposed to finder. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is finer Sasha of the Burners, who you've maybe met once okay. before in your life. And then there's a few more people that you don't recognize, and then you're standing in this crowd of people again, and they're all sort of looking to you um, as you've paused for a moment, as you've seen this vision. And you are free to interpret what it, how that means, however you want. Uh, okay. There um, is no possible role to interpret it. It is nope. totally up to however you choose to interpret it. Uh, so, 
Ayazama smiles and says, Friends, I told you that we would persevere, and the source has just given me a vision. I saw, uh, I saw Ozair meeting with the Yellowkin and success, and uh, meeting with the Yellowkin, and the Burners coming to us. I believe these times may be difficult, but the source is telling us that we will persevere. So I'm, I'm choosing to interpret it, or at least tell them that it's a positive thing. Good. Cool. Brilliant. And then, uh, so we'll wrap. So they, everyone leaves. Uh, anyone who is agitated or distressed is calmed when they leave. And uh, tell me, um, I know from my experiences growing up Catholic that often after church people would hang around, and there might be some snack things occasionally, uh, or tea and biscuits. Is there any sort of equivalent for those that worship at the source, or do people just sort of head back to whatever they were doing? Um, I think people just sort of go back to what they were doing because it's a very survival-focused town, so there's not a lot of room, so to speak, for snacks after services. Like, if, sometimes people will stick around to talk to the canteen and ask him mm. questions or advice, but there's no, like, snack gathering in the church basement. Yes. Because right. the church is really just a repurposed tool shed, basically. Well, you know, you've got to put that tool shed to use. All right, brilliant. Yeah. So we'll leave you with that as we switch to Ozair. What were you doing, Ozair? Uh, doing stuff. Mm, good to know. All right, going to know. Um, so, Ozair has spent probably the majority of the evening doing what they normally do, which is uh, messing with her magical secret room and trying to get her thing to work. Um, her little. Uh, magical machine, um, which, as I described earlier, is a kind of large, white, tubular thing with kind of a conical kind of top and a kind of blue-plated square wings sticking off of it with all kinds of little wires and connectors plugged into it. There's a small like, hatch on the front of it. And the blue wings are kind of iridescent, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Almost like a dragonfly's wings. Something like that. Um, but she has spent most of the night working on that, only because that's what she does. She doesn't sleep very often, because she's a robot. No, um... <gasps> That's right, guys. We're playing full at full. Um, so she's been sitting at this particular terminal um, for quite some time and, you know, typing in things. And almost as kind of a coincidence, she types in a certain string of characters. And for the first time since 
I don't know if it was Ethan who brought it down or if it was someone else who brought it down, but whoever brought it down, regardless, um, there's a humming noise coming from it. She kind of scoots back, kind of um, looks at the thing, strokes her chin absentmindedly and says, well, it looks like it's working now. Mm. Mm. When you say that, uh, you, it sounds like the noise that was coming from it changes slightly for a brief moment. Let's see. Um... It's sort of almost like a chirping. Um, was there... As excited as she is about her newfound uh, powers of augury that she doesn't know she has yet, mm -hmm. um, she does have business to attend to. Um, so she leaves her little machine and leaves her workspace, um, ignoring the uh, three men and women, just two men and a woman, who are coming in gathering tools for the day to go out and work, and she goes and looks at the generator that's outside her door. I have a few questions about um, your machine, just quickly. Yes. <clears throat> um, my understanding is that you've kind of been randomly plugging electronic stuff into it to see like what would work and what would make it do stuff. Uh, yep. Uh, my other uh, understanding is that your outfit is covered in like random technological hardware. Oh yeah. She wears cool coats with cool garbage on them. Yeah, you know, calculators that have been that have micro microwave oven parts attached to them and things like that. Very very sonic. Not the hedgehog, the dude from Bad Max 3. Um, very hedgehog. <laughs> very hedgehog. Um, and so I assume I would be right in saying that perhaps at some point some of the stuff plugged to your vest has also been plugged into that augury thing. Mm. It's more of a fashion thing than it is to plug into the augury thing. Yeah. Uh, it's what it's just like the same stuff that her father mother wears. Mm. And like, they're both, like, she, as much as she would hate to admit it, she dresses a lot like him. Eric, yeah. Ethan, sorry, Ethan. Yes. And so, and he just always did that. Like, yeah, okay. Here's this piece of garbage. I mean, she probably could if she really wanted to plug herself into the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't quite where I was going, but okay, that's fair enough. Um, calculator... Microwave? Yeah. A microwave calculator. 
All the kids. While doing your math homework. Everyone's gonna want them in the future. All right, so you're gonna go to the generator room, is that right? Yes. All right, um, cool. There are probably some <clears throat> children playing around it. There's children climbing on it and stuff. Um, hmm, would she go aggro on the children? <laughs> probably Do it. Roll that weird. Uh, takes the um, crowbar from her waist and kind of waves it around like an old grandma. Um, you know, get the hell out of here kind of thing. But what she's most concerned about is, yeah, you can get lights or whatever. You can get a million lights. You can have a pile of lights. You can have an infinite supply of lights raining down from the sky at all times. But it doesn't matter if you don't have any power. True debt. So she's going to fix this. Or that's her idea. So you're thinking that perhaps getting the lights doesn't matter if you can't get the generator to work. That is definitely true. That is 100% true. Brilliant. All right. Well, what are you going to do to the generator? It's just sort of there. It's this big mass of metal. Yes. So she can't really take it into her workshop uh, because it is is immovable. That is true, although it is close enough to your workshop that I would be willing to let you use workshop moves on it. But she is more interested in um, her her weird magical powers that she has been. Gonna, are you going to try and talk to the to the engine and see what's wrong with it? You no. sort of stroke the generator and say, "All right, tell me what's wrong. Tell me, tell me where the problem is." Hey, buddy, See, how you doing? Is going to look at the generator, and she's going to open her brain. How does one open their brain to a generator? Um. Well, what does opening one's brain while staring at a generator look like? Looks like her standing there and doing her thing. No. Um, <laughs> All right, H.P. She... Lovecraft, I need you to use some actual descriptive terms. No way. I'm going to use some racist terms. There's hoogity boogities dancing around. Um, oh, my God. She kind of, like, closes her eyes um, and kind of tries to imagine, like, the generator... Or the idea of a generator. The platonic ideal of a generator. (laughs) Um, And she feels that kind of far away droning noise that her father and his father and etc. going back forever explained to her was the noise the generator made. Down the Jose line for generations! That's right. You're either named Ethan or Ozair. Pick one. Um, Brother. No. You can't be an engineer. can't be a savvy head. Not allowed. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so she is kind of listening to this droning noise. Um, 
And I should probably roll this move. Do it. Seven. Seven. Eight. Nine. So. The MC will tell me something new and interesting about the current situation. Might ask me a question. And you are going to give me an impression. Um, <laughs> an impression. Oh, that's like where I do a crazy description. I assume. Or something. Um, so... I think. Hmm. What? What is the maelstrom like? Like, is it different for everyone? Do we know? Like, is it different when, if the canteen went into it versus when saffron went into it? What do you guys think? Um, before I chime in, as the arbiter of truth. Or... Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's open to. Per, I, I think it's shaped by your personal interpretations, okay. sort of like of what you expect to find. So I think for the canteen, it's more of a religious epiphany. Like he doesn't, he would not say he's opening his brain to the psychic maelstrom. You know, he's praying to the source. Is it like um, William Gibson's Matrix, in that it, the hallucinations are different for everyone? I haven't read any Gibson, so I can't Well, say. I just kind of just described the entire premise. Well, yes. yes. Like, you, you, it, it, it does the same thing in the end, but it's yeah. how you interpret it. There's so constants, the Im- but you bring your own skin to it. Constants right. and variables. Yeah. The impressions, the impressions, I guess the psychic impressions you would call them, are all the same, but they look different and, and feel slightly different depending on who's experiencing them. Exactly. There you go. I like that. Cool. Yeah. So, for Ozair, when she does this, when kind of goes into the maelstrom. Um, For her, it's like um, a big, like the interworkings of a machine or an engine. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's very loud. Um, And it's like she is or he is um, kind of lost in a forest of machinery. Ooh, good descriptive term. Hmm. You're wanting to know how this machine works? She wants to know... She's looking... At the broken generator, and she wants the impression from it, essentially. Like, what is she getting from this? You see... This... You hear this... this, The droning, the grinding grows louder and louder. And then you hear, like, this rushing, whooshing sound. Um... It's almost like the dam has broken open and all the water is forcing itself through. And you sort of, you're trying to tune it out as as you're focusing on the generator in front of you and you 
see a piece of the machine, of the world machine, in front of you sort of move forward. And you realize that you can see the generator. It's sort of, it's sort of like looking at, um, looking at someone in camouflage moving through, a, in a ghillie suit, moving through the forest, right? It's hard to keep your eyes on this piece of the machinery that is moving towards the generator. And then you see it touch the generator and take something, a part of the generator becomes part of this machine. And then it sort of melds back into the world machine that surrounds you. Yeah, I think that's good. Any questions you have for me? Um, Because you can't go into the maelstrom without it taking something from you. Who hurt you, Ozair? You're muted. You're muted. Brandon, you're muted. Ah! <laughs> I said I know. And that's how I got the nickname Bernie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, no, I hadn't even started describing anything. Um, you just see your mouth moving, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Um... What are the names of of your like second lead performer, Saffron? Like your second male lead? Oh, the one that isn't Dove or whatever. Yes, the one that isn't Dove. You see, um, I don't think you have a name for that. No, down. I don't. You'll have to come up with something. Uh, I, the name Jackbird is on my sheet, and I like that, so Jackbird. Okay. So, you kind of, the maelstrom gets this, like, flashing image of um, her, like, pushing this um, rather attractive man off of her and, like, striking him on the head with, like, the butt of her gun and, like, leaving the the riverboat. Oh, my. I'm not into this jackbird fellow. Not about it. He sounds like a douchebag. All right. Cool. Um, I assume that the, the visions sort of fade away. Yes. As the world around you returns to looking like the world and not gears. Always gears. Everything's gears. Guilty. Twirling. Always um, twirling towards freedom. That's right. Uh, so, I was there kind of, as normal, doesn't really know what to make of her vision, so she's going to go and find um, her father. Mm. Alright. Um, tell me 
Saffron. Where is Ethan at the moment? Who is Ozir's father? Um, maybe Ethan is. Uh, who who is the the brother of um of Ozir's who is involved in the group marriage? Brother. His name brother. is literally brother. Brother. Okay. Um, so maybe brother has come to Ethan for advice over the affair that one of his husbands has been having um, with the actress. Because everybody knows that it's going on. And um, what's his face? Um, ba has been unusually distant and uh, withdrawn lately. All right. So he is with he is with brother, discuss, discussing marital woes. All right. Discuss those marital woes. And you said that brother went to Ethan, so presumably Ethan is at his home then. Yeah. All right, Isaiah, right, you find Ethan, your father, at home. Um, you as you walk up to the door, you can hear. Um, crying on the other side. It's pretty clearly male. Uh, male sobbing. Well, it's now or never. It says to herself as she opens the door. Kind of peeks inside. And you see Ethan there um, sort of sitting across from brother as he's like, it's going to be, it's going to be all right, you know. Everyone goes through a rough patch every now and again. You know, I, I you'll be, you'll be okay. Oh. He sort of looks to you, Ozair, and he sort of, he is wearing a facial expression that is clearly geared towards you, but you, you don't know what he's trying to convey to you immediately. So... I kind of go over to my brother, brother, mm-hmm. and I kind of put my hand on his back, and I say, you know what they say, brother? What father has always said. When it's garbage... Throw it in the lake. And you see... A gentle pat. You see your father's expression sort of tighten as his eyes go wide. And he's just like, yes, uh, divorce is not always the end of, of the day. If the limb is gangrious, it must be amputated. I mean, how many times is this now... The third, fourth, I mean, do you want to be, you know, seventh string on the team, quote-unquote? Kind of look at my crying brother. After a few minutes of sobbing, he sort of wipes away the tears and stands up and says, No, you're right. You guys are right. 
that's enough of this. There's enough of this feeling sorry for myself. I'm gonna go talk to my other two husbands, and we're gonna then we're gonna talk to the canteen about getting an annulment. Clearly, Bar is not uh, a fitting husband, and yeah, he can get fucked. You know, he can fuck off. If he wants to sleep around with women, he can get the fuck out of the marriage. Fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. And then brother storms out, determined. I'm glad I can make things better. I smirk at my father. Mm, not really. You, you know what? He'll be fine. He's he's good. He's a good man. He he knows what he's. He's got a good good head on his. So. He's a grown man, Father. He can make his own decisions. And he can't be having another man push him around. That's just ridiculous. Mm. I mean, There's yeah. enough men here that he can find another fourth husband if he needs four for his square marriage or whatever he wants. <laughs> yes, it's all about the math. Yes. You can easily divide it into even <laughs> quadrants. It's either two or four. It's the only yeah. choice. I'm sorry, Everyone I can't give you an annulment me. until you have another person. We, we can't have a lopsided marriage. That's right. Um, There'll be no holy trinities in this household. <laughs> so I kind of sit where brother is sitting, perhaps doing... Is this chair uh, backed, or is it a stool? Uh, it was backed at a time. Like, it's got the posts to be backed, but it is missing the actual backing part. Well, Ozera is cool, and so she does a Riker sit on the chair. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you've limbered up. And she kind of looks at her father. And she kind of says... I need to fix the generator. He sort of looks a bit shocked at him for a moment. He's like, yeah, part of your lighting idea, right? Yes, I mean, if we fixed it, the lights would only be a portion of the power produced by that generator. It would... We would have to rely less on... um, the burners for fuel. Mm, mm. I mean, it's an interesting thought, but have you considered the amount of resources that's going to go into maintaining the generator if we get it running? She kind of looks away and then says, or we could just sit around and just keep doing things the way we normally do them and just hope everything goes right and that the burners don't just decide to Molotov cocktail us to death or something or um, we get blown up by some weird, crazy people who live in the mountains or some people on drugs don't come and kill us, you know. Look, 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 I've always been supportive of you. Uh, I've been supportive of all of my children, but I'm just... Uh, are you sure you've thought this all through? I will point out, Ethan is known for being optimistic and upbeat, and is being oddly not that. 
kind of look at him, and I'm going to read a person. Do it. Read that. Read that person. As read you read that father. Read that father. It sounds like a great game show from like the eighties. Read that father. Seven eight. Um, so I want to know. Um, what is he really feeling? Hmm. What is the best words to use to describe this? He is feeling worried and concerned. Um, yeah. He is worried and concerned about the generator. You know, Father, I know it was kind of your project fixing the generator, and I know you'd be upset if I fixed it. It's... 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 I'm just not sure that the community is ready for wild wolves to bound in to the dam and tear apart the generator room with ferocious ferocity. Yes, I'm just, I'm not Sure, if the community is ready for the generators, there's a lot of there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to be fixed. I mean, and also, you know, you said we wouldn't have to rely on the burners. That will that that may be true, but we'll also still need to we'd need to run power lines, which means we need power cables. We need insulators and capacitors and transformers and electrical conduits. And he just sort of is saying buzzwords about electricity, like... <laughs> and we'll have to synergize the workforce. Oh, my gosh. Um, and it could be stabilize the market. The market there's economy. There's economic factors, Ozair. What about the union? I was there kind of sighs and says, well, as normal, I should always take my second thought of not coming to see you as normal. And I kind of get up, lean over, and kind of kiss my father on the head and say, well, I hope to see you soon. As just before you walk out the door, as uh, Ethan says, "Wait, wait, <sighs> something I need to tell you." Um, and and he walks towards his room, which is sort of behind a little curtain. There's a bed. I kind of say, "Okay." What exactly 
Is, did you kill someone? Was there a dead body back there or something? I didn't kill anyone. Uh, come here. There's something I need to show you. Uh, I timidly follow my father. <laughs> and you see him lift up the mattress. Um, now... Porno magazines are underneath. <laughs> yes. I have a quick question. This... Ozer, your father is kind of like the... He's the main foreman, right? He's the main con manager of the work teams. Yes. He is second only to uh, Holland. Yes. Holland manages the political side, he and, and Ethan manages the workforce mm. of the dam. Is this room, this house that Ethan has, is it afforded to him because of his station? And if that is, has this room been owned by previous people that have been second in command or in control of the workforce? No. House. The, dam, the dam is more socialist okay. in nature. It's like one for all and all for one, kind of like, you know, if you have a big family, you can have a bigger house kind of thing. Right. Ethan's house was... Always crap. So he pulls out a stack of ancient-looking ring binders with a bunch of paper in them. Um, there's, about, there's, there's four of them. Um, they look like at one time they may have been blue. They are not that color anymore. They are grime-colored. These are the holy workbooks. Um... And he sort of lays out the four in front of him. And then he grabs the one that was at the top of the stack. And he opens it up. And you see that over a bunch of other text that looks like um, it's very... The text that it is underneath whatever is written on top of it in uh, charcoal, the text underneath is very neatly and precisely printed as if by a machine some kind of precision printing machine, which you have heard of, but not seen before. Um, some type of printed press, one might say? Indeed. You've heard of such machines, you've seen that kind of paper before, but you've, it's just, it's a rarity. Yes. <laughs> Back in the old days, they burn it up. They're like, we're going to need books, we're going to need to not freeze to death. Exactly. Um... But these seem to have been pretty... The other ones look like they were pretty well preserved, but this this one's got stuff written over the writing. And it's... You know, you can't quite make out what it's saying because your father is sort of standing over. He says, These are the journals of the previous foremans of the dam. Dating back to before our people settled here. The original people that came here after the sky lit up and the plants began to reclaim everything. In the days when the verdant was young. There is a reason the generator doesn't work. And that reason is... We 
myself and those that have preceded me have elected to keep it inoperable. Uh, and the reason is... It's too much power, quite literally. Oh, yes. What would we do with all the power? I had to trust the judgments of my forebears. The words written here... I wouldn't trust the judgment of two bears, let alone five bears. Ozer <laughs> looks at the old blue garbage that he has collected on his bed mm -hmm. and looks at his father and says, I don't care what you decided. I'm going to make this generator work. And guess what we're going to have? We're going to have power. Guess what people can do with power? Not have to rely on the burners. Perhaps the community is ready. Fuck the community. Community can burn. He stands up with the journal in his hand and he says... I want you to read this before you do anything. The, the part underneath the garbage that's scrawled on it? No, I want you to read the journals. And then he, he hands the journal oh. to you and then picks up the other three and says, if, you, if after reading that, you still think that you, the generator should be repaired, then I will give you these three which are, have detailed the processes need to recondition uh, and make the generator run again. And then he walks out and sits down in his kitchen area. Well, Father, I will not pretend that I read this and come back tomorrow and say, all right, I'm ready to get the things. Um, I will respect the ridiculous past of my ancestors and read this ridiculous binder. But my judgment is already clouded, so you can already expect my answer. Unless there's magical texts in here that will tell me why I shouldn't proceed with the correct assumption I have made. I think you will find it convincing, he says as he waits for you to either read it in there or take it with you. I pick up this gross plastic binder mm -hmm. and I chuck it at my father's head. No, I leave. <laughs> Kill him! <laughs> I'm the I... new leader of the damn now, old man. There can be only one. Two I men enter, know. one man leaves, and then later the other man leaves in the body bag. Sorry. So yes, I leave to peruse the binder. Brilliant. Peruse that binder. Okay. So that's probably going to take you the day. Um, however, 
Are you at all familiar, just to give you a sense of what's going on, are you at all familiar with the episode of Sliders in season one when they go to the world where Einstein was all like, hmm, yeah, you could build an atom bomb, but there's not enough fissionable material on Earth to make it work, and lied to everyone? No. Uh, well, that's pretty much the premise, right? So, that's that's what the people that have run the, the dam have done for generations. They've just been like, it's just not economically feasible to get the dam to work. Uh, and the reason that they've done that is because they thought that with that much power, the people, that the MERS and the consuls would expand out their sphere of influence and, like, conquer the verdant mountains. They were worried about them, their people becoming tyrants by having sophisticated means of producing power. At some point, those um, are squints her eyes, shakes her head, and says, we already have two tyrants running the show. Ooh, like this revolution. Do it, Jose. Rise up. And yes, that's Jose. Done. All right. Well, that's pretty much. It makes the argument convincingly, but that doesn't mean you are convinced. It's just it is more well laid out than what I have just said. But like, you don't really need more information to make up your character's mind. It's it's some philosophical argument that humans are bad naughties and they will use the power to be bad naughties with it. Exactly. Yes. And Ozair says, mm, shrug. <laughs> Disagree. Disagree, bro. <laughs> Disagree with this philosophy. I think that vaccines and heating are a good idea. I don't understand why you <laughs> think that having electricity would lead to horrible things. So does that mean that Ozair thinks people are inherently good? Perhaps. Yeah, uh, yeah, she. I think she does. She does think people are inherently good. She just doesn't like people because she, she doesn't think, really understand people. She thinks people are inherently good, just not necessarily these people around her right now. <laughs> and she's really only you've only seen her interact with um, her family and people yeah. in authority over her and people like yeah. against her. She just oh. needs a bigger sample size. Surely there are there are more people out in the world who aren't assholes. Perhaps I will find some people with guns and I will get along with them. No. <laughs> you run into the mountaineers. They're like, "What are you doing here? Uh, stealing lights? Why? Gonna make the power system in the dam run and then use the lights to scare away the bone chewers? They're like, I like the cut of your jib. How would you like to become an honorary mountaineer?" <laughs> Give me guns, crabby hands. I feel like you want me to hand you the keys to the kingdom, sir, but at the same time, you're not the cons. Exactly. Alright, so, Brandon, who plays Saffron. No, what? Why did I say that? That's not true. Ryan! Ryan confused. Do I? Yes, occasionally you do. Occasionally, as always. Ryan, yes. Saffron has a big performance on tonight, you know. 
you've got to make those last minute preparations. However, there is another matter which might interest you. Oh, goodness. Is it Ba's impending divorce? Oh, no, it's not Ba. Remember how Bean, that important hunter, thinks that your uh, theatre boat would make an excellent floating barracks slash floating fortress slash battleship? Yes. Remember how he got permission to start a militia? Like, just mm -hmm. one squad. Do you want to... It's, it's a trial, remember? He's trying to... The cons are like, you get to train them till the end, till the beginning of summer, and then we'll assess whether they are actually useful or not. Are you going to do anything to perhaps skew that test in your favor? Um, or do you think that he is already doomed to fail? Kill him, and then the test is over. Hmm. I feel like... Who who exactly has he recruited? Or just poison all his troops. Well, it only, it only happened yesterday, so he probably hasn't really got any uh, recruits yet. He's probably trying to work out who to recruit. Okay. Because he can only, like, recruit five people. Hmm. Oh, goodness. Um, I can't really see anything that I can do right now to screw up this process. Um, can you think the, of things that you might be able to do further down the road? Well, the... Uh, whatever, whatever the summer performance is, is definitely going to have more of an anti-violence uh, theme to it. Um, possibly, possibly about the uh, the follies of uh, organized militias and uh, the importance of being able to defend yourself and your own property without having to resort to faceless soldiers uh, who will come and, and take your things and, and subject you to their whims and um, uh, a force that places the power in the hands of, of the commander um, and not necessarily in the, in the hands of the people who deserve to wield power. Hmm, interesting. Um... So yeah, Saffron's got that outlined in his in his stateroom or where, wherever he wherever he bunks down. Um, he's starting to work on the summer performance. All right, well that's kind of cool. A quarter troops in your house. Um, so that's it's interesting. It's anti-military but pro-government. Yeah. I feel that is an underrepresented demographic. That government, though. That government. So consular. All right. Well, hmm. Um, the, the one thing that I did think about um, was, remember last time I rolled my Everybody Eats Even That Guy move? Yeah. I was thinking about everyone that, uh, everyone that I found out that um, 
that Bean trusts is getting a last-minute invitation. Oh, so like you give an, in an invite to his wife and his daughter? I think. Um, no, it was it was Jaco. It was Jaco the elder fisherman that he trusts. Yes. Yes. Sorry, I named the other two because they had. They, you asked another question, but that pertained to them. Yeah. It was what is making what's what's his life like at the moment? I'm like, oh, life. His life is actually quite good. He is not. He doesn't hate your establishment because, like. It is the source of his woes. He hates your establishment. Because he feels, he feels the boat can be put to better use. So you're going to send an invitation to Jaco? Yeah. Alright. Because maybe even, even if... Um, I, I don't want to be too disruptive. Like I'm not going to invite his wife and then ruin his marriage because that's only going to make him hate me more. But if I can get maybe his inner circle more on my side, you know, invite this guy, Jaco, and show him a good time, then maybe when they're having conversation and uh, Bean mentions about how the, the riverboat is being wasted with the theater... Uh, Jake will be like, oh, actually, I went and I had a good time. I think it's a, I think it's a, a valuable resource. I don't know. Brandon, are you asking if Jaco is into threesomes or if Bean is into threesomes? Whoever, <laughs> whomever may be into threesomes. Just, just so the listeners know, we have a little chat bar on the side, which is where that came from. Yeah, not just it, some psychic connection. Yeah, yeah we're, all, we're all telepathic. Yes, we do have a chat. The chat, the chat is mostly used for making jokes about the current plot of the game yep. <laughs> that we don't want to make in audio. Um, like Alex's comment of all caps conspiracy when that was right when he pulled out the book. Um, all right. So, does anyone want to do anything before the performance tonight? Um, and who's going? Is Ozair going to go and rub elbows with people to try and recruit people to a crazy plan? Which crazy plan? But no. Alright, cool. I gave you the option of being in the scene. I can't force you to go, so you do Man, you. The last time... She went there. She had a horrible time. Um, yeah, I don't mind if you don't want to go, and if you feel it makes sense for your character not to go, but I am making it abundantly aware that that is the next scene. You are willingly sitting out. Yeah. yeah, which is fine. Sometimes it doesn't make sense for characters to be in scenes. You can't really do it. Like, it doesn't make sense for the other two to have been in the scene with Ethan, for example. Yeah. Oh, come on. I feel like we were there in, in the background. <laughs> yeah, just you were just sort of looming. Just watching. Listening, listening yeah. at the window. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's probably a building made of sheet metal, so, like, can't imagine. It's got the It wouldn't be that hard to listen in. <laughs> it's like um, trying to run a conspiracy out of a yurt. Yeah. Unless Saffron has specifically come to me today and said, I would like you to be here 
today, then no, Ozair would not come. Alright, cool. Um, I'd... If you would like to be in the rest of the scene, then then we can we can do that. But I think uh, Saffron is probably too busy doing last minute rehearsal things, um, drilling the cast, running the cast through it one last time, making sure the lighting is just so you know, um, making sure all of the uh, entertaining rooms are are properly prepared yeah. for afterwards. Yes. I like how you quickly changed your phrasing halfway through sentence from drilling the cast to uh, prepping the... <laughs> yeah. Nope, nope, sex show. Can't say drilling the cast. Well, oh, there will not be Alright, cool. Um, Alex, is there yes. anything Ayazama is doing before the thing? You um, and your partner... My retinue, yes. uh, my partner named Babylon. Yes, Babylon. Um, well, I think after after the morning services, Ozair would have gone to uh, Pacifica and had his little tete-a-tete with her. Pacifica would have like sort thing. of not so much rushed through it, but like she didn't really do any of the confiding she's done previously. It was just sort of like, okay. thank you for coming. Um, gotcha. Uh, Ayazama could read a room, so he leaves, uh, does some regular canteen stuff during the day. Um, I don't think there's anything in particular to, uh, to do before the show. At least not that I can think of. No, that's fine. I just wanted to give you guys the option. Like, I don't know what you're going to do conversation-wise when you get there. So, like, maybe you're planning to, like trick someone or something so like you've got to set up some situations beforehand so that's why I not like yet um I Ayazama may be angling for some power but not not quite yet what if the church and the state weren't separated that seems like a solution to every problem with no repercussions exactly it's a perfect plan it's a Nothing perfect crime. No one gets hurt. <laughs> and if they do, I'll just say it's their sin. So there you go. Hey, you know, and people people are inherently good, so nothing yep. can go wrong. What if you use this militia as some kind of religious crusading force to take control of areas and force your religion upon people? Have you no, guys I... ever noticed how the yellow kin and the burners... Don't believe in the in the light of the divine aquifer. <laughs> Don't you guys feel like that is inherently evil? <laughs> Maybe they should all die. Well, no, they get a chance to convert. Then they die. Yeah, they get to convert before they are... Uh, and if they convert, we give them the peaceful death to absolve them of their sin, and if they don't right. convert, we hang them. And it, once they, so if they convert, that means they get to join uh, the ocean of paradise and yeah. live in peace for all eternity. Yeah, brilliant. I'm glad we've had this theological discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and that oh, yeah. is why the ancient engineers didn't think people should have hydroelectricity. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, 
how do how how does opening night go before the performance starts? What sort of stuff happens uh, as people like are arriving? Um, does the boat pull up to the main um, to the barge, or does the boat pull up to the dam? Does it perhaps like go to both and then sail out into the lake? Uh, do you expect the patrons to come to you? How how, how does this proceed? Um, I feel like we we go around. Um, we make one stop at the barge and collect everyone with invitations and and gifts. Uh, then we then we sail to the dam, um, and and pick up everybody there. And then we, uh, as you say, go out into the water. I feel like that's that's. Uh, more more ceremonial, more theatrical, and, and something that Saffron would appreciate. So there are like... I don't think that uh, many people get invites. Maybe like 10 or 20. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, how, many, how many productions do you do of each show? Is it just one night, or is it multiple nights? I feel like... I feel like maybe we do... Hmm. My understanding from the discussion we had in the first game was I'm just that, curious. I don't mean... I'm... Yeah, no, no, no. No, I get you. Is that the show runs throughout the season that it is themed around. Yes. Uh, and then at okay. the end, they do like maybe a two-week break to get prepped for the next show. Gotcha. I, I, think, I think that's right. Um, and I feel like maybe, I, I, mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty much the way it works. Uh, anybody anybody with an invitation has an in, an open invite to come back and quote unquote see the show whenever they like. But we get our biggest turnouts on opening night. Are you sure that you want to give them open invites to come again? Because that seems like a really poor business model. Well, like, I mean, they have to pay every time. Oh, they have to pay every subsequent time. Okay. Yeah. I see. The, the oh, that's right. That's right. You have to be pre-approved to go. Yeah, to... the invitations are my way of um, monitoring my clientele. Right. I forgot that you have to be put on the list. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. Cool. Um. So. When people arrived, are they greeted in any way, or are they just, like, is there anything special, or are they just sort of shown to their seats and then told to wait until the performance begins? Um, I feel like they are they are shown to their seats, uh, but before the show, there is a chance for everybody to, to hobnob and talk, and um, it's a, it is kind of a very loose, informal atmosphere within... Um, People people can talk as they like during the uh, during the performance, but there are, I guess you would call them uh, improvisational segments where the performers will wa- wander out into the audience, possibly to solicit people um, potential Johns for later Johns or Janes. Um, and if you are you know whispering to somebody, you are going to be you know relentlessly ridiculed and mocked. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so... Ayazama, 
When you arrive, uh, tell me what you are wearing. Uh, I think Ayazama is still just wearing his regular uh, gold toga and sandals. That's right. uh, that's his thing. But he left the chain of potions behind. He's off the chain. He's off the chain, literally. And Babylon is on his arm, wearing a, a silver toga. You can hear, you can tell some people are talking about you uh, having Babylon on your arm. That's okay. Do you have more than one toga? Um, they're all the same toga. So you you have multiple togas that are identical. <coughs> oh, sorry. Yes, it's um kind of kind of like how a priest always yeah. you know formal wear is still just like a black suit with a collar. Yeah, okay. Uh yeah. his is just a gold toga. That's, that's all you wore the same stinky, gross toga every day for the entire life of the canteen. This is the toga of the last canteen. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna have to go on a quest to find some gold spray paint because that smells disgusting. <laughs> it's a holy quest. Go have fun. We're searching for the holy dye. They caught one uh, canteen yeah. uh, washing his toga in the source, and oh, that did not Ooh. go over well. No, 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 no. Um, I mean, I don't think it's that. Like, I mean, it's not really scandalous for the canteen to have someone on his arm. I think it's a little bit more, less less Catholic, a little more Protestant, where they have, uh, you know, he, they can get married and have kids. Also because it's the post-apocalypse and we need to repopulate, so it's kind of stupid to have celibate people uh, who uh, can... It wasn't, it wasn't so much that. It was more that, um, I believe in the first game, we talked about how when you two were having... When Babylon and Ayazama were having dinner, we talked about how the, like the canteens have people... Are allowed to sleep with people and whatnot, but it's not generally allowed for them to form like a committed relationship. Oh, okay. I forgot about that. That was um, like, like you can't marry her, and so the people are talking because they're like, "Ooh, maybe, maybe the canteen's going to make a proclamation soon and change some uh, of the some of the religious tenets." Uh huh. Maybe the Don't source spoke to me, and it said, uh, "Go get her, dude." So, <laughs> everybody. So they're not like, they're not talking because you're sleeping with someone. They're talking. Gotcha. With, because you're sleeping with someone, it would seem, on the regular. And I brought her with me. Gotcha. And you brought her with you. Don't be seen in public with Babylon too often. Yeah. Well, that's up uh, to him. The book of Ayazama is. might have some interesting new tenants in it then. <laughs> Maybe he's going to go for a Borges thing and he's going to like become... <laughs> going to change the whole nature of the game. I am the God Emperor. <laughs> yeah, I'm made out of like ten shamans or something. <laughs> cool, I can put you inside my weird, gross satellite thing and hook you up to the generator and you can be the god emperor and live forever. Yeah, we'll use you as a beacon to find our way through the verdant. <laughs> I'm just a giant battery. Mm. Alright, so... 
Um, is there anyone that you want to go and greet first? Um, or greet at all, Ayazama? The cons have not arrived yet. They will probably oh, be the okay. last ones to arrive. Um, is there anyone else of any import here? I don't know, Ayazama. Uh, is there anyone else here of import? Oh, I don't know, Saffron. I didn't send out the invitations. Saffron, is there anyone else here of import? I believe Jaco, the elder of the fishermen, is here. Yeah, and we said that oh, both yeah. cons, both cons had invites. Yep, the cons will be here later. Yep. Um. Hmm. Uh, Toyota definitely uh, yep. has an invite. And you guys, and you can make up someone in the community. Obviously, that's always an option. It's sort of what I'm getting at, you know. Yeah. Maybe there's mm. someone that builds that builds boats here. Maybe you've invited somebody from one of the other holds to attend. Ooh. Um, you know what might th make things interesting? Maybe there, maybe there are some burners in attendance. All right. Are they? Uh, are they finers or scapers? Um, probably, probably scapers. If I'm understanding the distinction right, because they're the ones who go out and collect the necessary fuel, and the finers process it. Um, they they both go out. Scapers are in charge of attending the fuel. So, as in growing the trees, they okay. tend to the verdant, whereas finers harvest the fuel. Scaper, right. as in landscaper. Right. And all the scapers are all the scapers are uh, when they achieve a high rank, they take the name of the great archetypal scapers of old. So, like the chief, one of the head scapers at the moment, and one that your hold has dealt with a lot, uh, is called uh, where is his name? Um, chief scaper Lee Rowan. For example, Lee Rowan being a garden supply store in Australia. <laughs> All right. Lee Rowan's Garden World. Uh, so yeah, we'll say that the the scapers have a field that they are cultivating. You know, trying to uh, clear of the plants that don't uh, produce as much as much fuel um, mm -hmm. nearby. And so, uh, Chief Scaper Lee Rowan is in attendance. Ooh, well there you go. Wow. Lee Rowan is here. Uh, I will. I uh, yes. Ayazama will go over and talk to Lee Rowan. Brilliant. Uh, so Lee Rowan is a very large man, um, kind of like a lumberjack monk. Um, <laughs> he's got a very thick, bristly uh, beard um, that seems to be sort of. It's graying, but it's sort of clogged with dirt and uh, stuff like that. Um, he's wearing um, a, he's wearing blackish, brownish clothes that seem to be made out of some kind of fibrous plant material. They've sort of made some kind of um, like hemp slash hessian huh. clothing from the verdant. Um, 
and it's got like green stains on it from like you know tending to the plants and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you see, um, you see him as he's walking in because people have to hand in their weaponry when they attend the club, correct? Uh, Saffron. Yes, no weapons yeah. allowed inside. You see yeah, as he's too. you see as he's walking in, he like unclips a tool belt from his waist, um, and dangling off it is a um, machete, uh, some large secateurs. Uh, you see like chainsaw chain, so like a commando chainsaw that you can use with just your hands, oh. or it's just the chain with two like tog toggles at either end, so you can. Yeah. Use it without a motor. Um, you also uh, see like a collapsing pole um, and like a knife that looks like a, a sort of largish socketed knife, and it's putting and they're all sort of clipped to this belt as he puts it down. And then he sort of looks down at his feet and on his in these thick, almost heavy combat boots. And you see, like, nails sticking out of the front of them. Um, and he looks to the person behind the bar and says, Do you wish me to take off my shoes? Uh, and the person sort of looks around for Saffron. And Saffron, are you within visible sight? Um, yes, I think Saffron would probably be at the door uh, greeting people, but also, you know, not consistently because he has to be making sure that everything's everything's ready. Um, so just as you're about to, like, walk backstage quickly to check that everything's ready, um, the person tending the um, weapons storage sort of looks to you as if to say, uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Uh, Saffron comes over and, and uh, gives uh, Chief Lee Rowan and the bartender a, a helpful smile and says, uh, is, there, is there an issue here? Uh, no issue. Uh, it just occurred to me that my climbing boots um, could be considered weaponry. Uh, I can't remove the nails. Hmm. Well, um, I will tell you what. Uh, Saffron goes um, rooting around behind the bar. Um, I think this is not. This is probably an issue that they have encountered before. Um, so they have they have saved um, a bunch of a bunch of. Well, maybe maybe not um, an issue they've encountered before. But uh, since it is the post-apocalyptic future, where we need to reuse everything. Uh, Saffron has a jug of wine bottle corks uh, that he keeps behind the bar. Uh, he takes out a handful of those and uh, holds them out to uh, Chief Leroy and says, um, here you go, you can take some of these and put them on the ends of the nails and then uh, if you're trying to start anything, you'll have to cool off and... and Pull those off first. Lee Rowan so, sort of like breaks his sort of like sombre demeanor and starts chuckling. He's like, that is a novel solution. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> Honestly, Brad, uh, Brandon, I thought Saffron was going to pull out like a pair of thongs made out of a plastic bag. <laughs> I said Saffron. 
You said Brandon. Really? Yeah. I thought I said fucking Saffron. You you did after you said Brandon. Oh, I thought Saffron was gonna pull out um like a a third world pair of sandals, you know, plastic bottle with rope made out of plastic bags strung through it. Mm. But no, you went with corking the corking the weapons. Um, you see, uh, someone, or another one of the, uh, burners, uh, plop down, um, a few things, a little, a small sort of jug about the size of a spray, like a, like a, um, air gun for spray painting cars. Okay. Um, he puts that down. Um, you can tell that it's like a miniature flamethrower. Um, and he also takes off a belt with tools and stuff. And he, he, uh, does take off his shoes. Um, and you sort of see him sort of flexing his toes on the ground. Um, as he takes off, like, uh, he says, uh, is there a coat room? Can I, can I take off? I just... You know, it's got to wear, got to wear a whole lot of heavy clothes out there. And I just, I'd like to be a little freer, if I could. Do you mind if I can I like check this overcoat? Uh, certainly, Yen here. I'm naming the bartender Yen. All right, cool. Uh, Yen here will take care of your belongings and make give you a ticket so you can get them back at the end of the performance. Oh, thank you. You guys are lovely. I love it when we get to come here. Thank you so much, Lero, and I'm so happy to be here. And he just sort of nods as he's trying to be, mm, yes, I'm the stern leader. I must be the stern leader. <laughs> and then he sort of nods to you and walks off. You too enjoy walks. the sound. Yeah. So I think uh, Ayazama was going to talk to Lero. And yes, Ayazama, uh, you know... Over the course of a few minutes, you know, like ten minutes, meanders his way over to Lee Rowan. Uh, he's a he's a scaper, right? Yes. Yes. Ah, scaper Rowan. So good to see you here. Hmm. Yes. Thank you. I should not have taken a bite of my apple. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk for slightly longer. Sorry. I, I was just saying hello to start the conversation. No, I, it's my fault. I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, well, uh, take her. I, I'd such such candid speak. I would. Uh. Uh, yes, Ayazama. You're the canteen, correct? Indeed, indeed. So kind of you to remember. Well, I tried to keep a track of the various faiths. Um, we've actually recently had a few converts. Uh, within our own community uh, who would be interested in attending services when they're in the area? Uh, well, uh, Ayazaba is somewhat surprised and smiles. Like, well, absolutely. They, of course, all are welcome to attend the, uh, the, the, the sermons at the, at the Aquifer of the Soul. We, we welcome all. Well, I'm glad that you're so open uh, religiously. Uh, there's a few uh, within our own community that see it as uh, a perversion. Uh, you 
you worship the the verdant itself, correct? Yes. Members of your community. It is right to give it thanks and praise. Indeed, indeed, it is. Uh, I, in fact, uh, I, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, I could understand why your own uh, theologians might see it in such a way, but I always felt that the aquifer of a soul, uh, the aquifer of the soul, was an offshoot of the verdant itself. When we when we drink of the waters, or at least when I do, I feel more connected to the to the greenery surrounding us. You should you should come by uh, before you leave. It is truly a transcendent experience. Well, we will probably be returning to camp this evening, but perhaps next time I can uh, come to your camp a little earlier in the day. Uh, for you at any time come come to the aquifer at any time and i would be happy to to go through a service with you or just give you a taste of our water it is quite pleasant and uh has been known to is is he like an older man um he's probably like in his 50s he's a yeah, hard I mean, working type of guy i figure canteen ayazama is around that same like late 40s kind of age um and he kind of he kind of gives the the the, the um, scaper a knowing uh, smile and says, "And I can speak from experience. It's good at putting a little bit more pep back in your step." <laughs> Very good. Uh, it would be perhaps interesting to discuss the water cycle with you. Uh, it is important to study the flow uh, of the rivers uh, in order to properly understand the verdant. Uh, of course. It's interesting to note. Uh, and then he starts like going on about like plant stuff. And yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think is going to have like an actual conference. I feel like Ayazama is well versed in water stuff because um, it's kind of his thing. Yeah. So he he's able to interject like when when he starts talking about how you know they notice that trees are taking you know this type of tree takes this much water and Ayazama says oh well you know you could get more water from trees if you X Y Z and they have a discussion. Yeah, you guys talk about the various feasibility of like extracting water from trees and like yes. he talks about how like. Um, if you can use pl if you can if you can wrap a tree in plastic, sometimes you can extract water from it that way, and that is a thing that they uh, used to do a lot earlier on. Uh, can I read a person day? while I'm talking to him? Sure. Just thinking of that. Where's my dice? Uh, that's a seven, and wait, that's plus cool. Yeah, so, oh no, plus sharp, so, eight. So, I get wasn't hold of one. Wasn't your sharp tagged as well? Not you? anymore. Oh, I thought. Uh, so, um, back, back in our in our earlier talk, when, you know, we were talking about him coming to, um, you know, coming to the aquifer or anything. Um, yeah. Crazy. Is he telling the truth? He would be interested in attending, if only for the novelty of experiencing uh, a different kind of religion. Hey, fair enough. You gotta hook him, and then you draw him in. It's kind of like how I've always wanted to attend a mosque, but I'm like, is that rude? 
of me to go and not participate. Oh, I'm not here. I just want to see what you people... I'm not here for the service. I just want to see what you people yeah. do. I'd really, 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 really like to visit Mecca, but I'm not allowed because I'm not... I'm not allowed to enter that country. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah. You guys... He, he is interested, but he's not so much interested... Uh, on a spiritual or religious level, it's more about novelty uh, okay. and seeing something different. It's oh, the same reason he's, he accepted the invitation. Well, he did not dismiss outright, so it's, yeah. a, it's a good sign. Brilliant. Uh, so, Brandon, and I do actually mean Brandon this time. <laughs> yes. I have a question for you. I might have an answer. There's a complication in uh, the performance tonight. What is it? Jeez. Oh, um, hmm. How shitty do I want to be? Uh, <clears throat> hmm. Half of the lights aren't working. <laughs> All right. Half of the lights aren't working. So, Ryan, about five minutes before the show is set to begin. Oh, goodness. Uh, one of the uh, theater rats runs up to you, chugging away on a cigarello that was provided by one of the burners in attendance. Uh, and there's sort of a, a uh, bluish tint to the smoke that is coming out of them. It's like, ah, we've got a problem with the lights. What's the problem? Uh, they're not working probably. They're not, like, I'm not up. Put that out. No smoking during the performances. And then I rush off. So I see them sort of like, they look around, and then you just see them lift up their foot, uh, and they just put the cigarette out on the calluses on their bare feet. <laughs> Where's Bar? Uh, he probably up in the, uh, he's on the rig. Uh, he's fixing it up in the rig. Up in the rig. He's fixing it in the rig. All right. Uh, I'm going to go find Bar. All right. Um, as you're trying to get like through everything backstage, I am gonna say, uh, make the uh, what is the name of the move? The the do something under fire, I think, is what I'm thinking of. All right, yeah. Um, Everyone's like jostling for your attention. All right, let's see. And you're like, I don't care if your dress won't zip up. It doesn't mean shit if no one can see you on stage. This is a straight roll. Ooh. So, eight. Oh, that's pretty good. So, tell me the thing that happens on an eight. All right. Um, it says, 
On a 7-9, you flinch, hesitate, or stall. The MC can offer you a worse outcome, a hard bargain, or an ugly choice. All right. As you are about to start climbing the ladder up into the rigging, uh, you... uh, Bar is sort of at the top of the ladder that you're on, and something falls out of his tool belt and is flying towards you. You can either let it hit you in the face, or you can jump off the ladder. Um, I think Saffron... Well, since Saffron is wearing a porcelain mask, Ooh. that would probably be disastrous. Um... You know what? The show must go on, uh, even with a cracked mask. Uh, Saffron's going to take one for the team and just let it hit him in the face. All right. So, um, I'm going to say that your mask uh, doesn't crack. It shatters. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, now, it could be fixed with glue and time. Which you do not have. Um, as the pieces sort of spray around behind you, uh, and you feel a bruise growing on your forehead. Did I at least catch the thing that fell? <laughs> it was a hammer, and it just oh. sort of smacked you in the face and then flew down. Right All right. Um. Saffron is going to do the best he can to gather the shattered pieces of his mask in, in like his his pocket, the pocket of his trousers, if he can, or or anywhere. Uh, maybe he's he's got that pocket square, so he's going to gather them all up in that and like you know make a little bundle. Um, so I'm going to spend my hold, and you look down, Saffron, at the bottom <laughs> of the ladder is Ozair with a bunch of tools looking up at you. Uh, I, I... Oh, thank goodness. Uh, Ozair. We seem to be having a little bit of a problem with the lights. Your mask seems to be broken. Oh, uh, yes. Um... Well, I, I can I can deal with that later. Um... Bart turns around and looks down the the ladders like, oh shit, I'm real sorry, Saffron. I'm, I'm I'm trying to get the lights working. I I promise I haven't been I've been I've been focused on the task. All right, I've been doing my job. Uh, oh. And you see him pull out a uh, cigarette and a lighter and light it up as he like spits a butt. <laughs> Uh, into his pocket, and then like says, uh, "Can I bet? I better get back to it. There's still, yeah, the lights still aren't working. I don't know what's going on." Um, Dude, shit! I, and he I, sort of crawls, starts to crawl away. I call up and I say, "Do you need? Do you need help?" Yeah, whatever you got, as much help as you can spare. Like, get me them fucking rats up. Is that Ozair? Is he? That's like, Ozair, right, right here. Uh, can you help me out, buddy? I, I look up at Bar. You know, and I look back at and I smile. There's a slight smirk on my lips. 
And I say, Saffron, I will fix your lights. And I will leave. But you owe me. Ooh. And I start climbing up the ladder. Tell me, Jose, do you perchance have glue in your tool belt? Um, let's see. Probably. Sure. I reach into my tool belt and grab some uh, plaster glue. And I put it in Saffron's hand, closing their fingers over it. And I say, I would like this back. But... Thank you. Thank you, Ozair. I, <laughs> I owe you big time. Brilliant. So, uh, you and uh, Ba are frantically working to fix these lights. And every now and again, Ba sort of shoots you a worried glance and then, like quickly gets back to, like, rewiring shit and, like, checking light bulbs. I kind of, uh... Let's see, would... I look at Ba, Mm -hmm. and I say, don't worry about me. You do your fucking job. And then worry about me. And I want to go, aggro on boss so he will do his job and stop worrying whether I'm going to throw him off the flying for oh. cheating on his brother on your brother? Yes. Um so let me roll some sweet <laughs> You wanna know how many that is? That Rub is roll. that is two three. That's three. You've got a minus one? Do that. Yes. I have a minus one, two, let's see. Yep, go ahead, bro. It's not. Yep. I Ouch. thought you had a thing that let you use your weird for going aggro. No, if I'm doing something under fire or a bad Oh, uh, okay, I see. My bad. Yes. <laughs> um, it's like... It matter anyways. Only uh, give me a... Yeah. Look, I just... Uh, I'm real sorry about... I'm trying to be better about your brother and everything. All right, I'm. I'm not. I'm not seeing her anymore. Okay, I t- I've told her. I kind of screw in the light bulb or whatever I'm doing. Put the cover over the, you know, the whatever colored cover that's supposed to be on it. And I say, listen, I don't Tangerine. fucking care about my brother right now. I have a job to do. Let's do the job, and then maybe me and you can go get some drinks, and you can cry about my brother later. Uh, yeah, 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 alright, okay, cool. Um, Saffron, what do you do while they're fixing these lights? Um, I think I am going to do vamp, my best. Vamp, got a vamp! <laughs> Um, yeah, you know what? I am going to, um, we, we have, we have, like, a pre-show routine that we do, uh, when there are technical difficulties, but we want to keep everybody entertained. Um, usually before, before the show starts, uh, it's, it's, 
forbidden for the main cast to set foot on stage because it's it's part of the um, it's part of the pageantry and theatrics. Uh, it's the, the post-apocalyptic uh, post-apocalyptic theater ritual. Right. <laughs> um, it's 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 part of their whole shtick that uh, the audience doesn't get to see any of the performers until. Um, until they come out on stage in character. Um, so, um, maybe we have some background performers who come out and, you know, maybe they're not, maybe they're not the most uh, attractive thespians that I have, um, but they, they do a little, they do a little, like, vaudeville routine to keep the audience entertained. And they're always sort of background players. Oh my god. <laughs> Everything I know about Vaudeville uh, comes from Boardwalk Empire, so... It's like slapstick and pratfalls and, you know, comedy duo routines, like, uh, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, no, Someone I Someone gets know. in the head with a pipe a lot. Right. And Jewish performers... Singing about the ridiculous situations that they put themselves in. You won't succeed on Broadway if you don't have any Jews. Exactly. Which is from Spam a lot. I'm not just being racist. <laughs> I think it'd be. Hmm, I was going to say, I think it'd be jingoist, but I guess. Anyway. Anti Semitic. Anti Semitic. Yeah, <laughs> um, so. Um, yeah, so so Saffron goes and finds those two, and you know, like uh, problem with the lights, you have to do your thing right now, right now, right now. Yeah, they run on the stage and they start like doing a, a bit of a dance, and then like halfway through, all these lights come on dramatically, and then they like quickly do like a freeze, and then bow, <laughs> dance over. I do like I do like sixty seconds of dancing, and then they're like, oh, it's over. <laughs> Which is how it was supposed to go. <laughs> so, in the audience, Father, Father Ayazama is impressed and, and claps, thinking that's exactly how the show was supposed to go. Nice. Um, so, Ryan, what is the structure of the um, of the show? Uh, does it have multiple acts? Does it have a continuous narrative? Um, the big shows, it's, it's, the big shows do have a continuous narrative. Um, so the way, the way I kind of pictured this working is, um, the show itself is a mechanism that we use, the means by which we, uh, advertise our sex workers, uh, to the viewing audience. Um, and the the actors and actresses um, performing in the show stay in character the entire night. So if you're, you know, there's there's sort of the roles are tailored to like some of them. Some of them are a little bit, you know, body and ribald, and some of them some of them are, um, you know, scary dominance, and some of them are, you know, very obvious submissives. But they're just tailored. You know, to be like the objects of sex fantasies that people can then go, oh, I want to sleep with this person, 
and then they yeah. go upstairs and have a good night after the show is over. All right. Um. So. What is so it, it so it so it probably doesn't have multiple acts then. There's not like a half time. It's just like like an hour or so of performing, and then yeah, we keep it we keep it shorter time. on the shorter side. All right. So, but uh, Saffron Saffron does take pride in his art. Um, so it's it's not just all like raunchy sex comedy. You know, there's there's some real. There's some of that in there, but there's also some some high drama. Um, so, during the performance, where is Saffron? Because you're not the stage manager; you run this whole thing. So yeah, um, I suppose Saffron. Um, hmm. You are you are Robin Williams in the Birdcage. Yeah, um, he sometimes watches watches from the back of the house as the as the performance goes on. Um, you can you can kind of you know if you if you see sort of um, in the low lighting of the theater, you can see him you know muttering the the lines to himself as the actors go through it. You know, because he's going to give them notes. Yeah, I have two more questions. Um, one is, what is the overarching theme of tonight's show? And if you want, you can name some of the archetypes you've included. And where have you sat, uh, the important guests? So where are the cons? Where's Ayazama? Well, Ayazama would be with the cons. Where is um, Lee Rowan sat, and where have you put Jacob? Um, I think the important guests are all as as far forward as they can possibly be. Um, maybe there are sort of like oh, I'll answer the second question first. Sorry, I'm That's getting right. way ahead of myself. That's fine. Um, as I as I said, the performers will sometimes go out into the audience and do little improvised bits in character uh, to sort of you know get everybody uh, get get everybody into the into the mood that they're supposed to be in and and you know maybe maybe break the break the tension after there's been a scene of of really really high drama. Um, so the important people are where the if if they if Saffron knows them well enough that he knows that they don't want to be harassed, then they are um, sat off to the side um, in sort of I guess what would be a, um, a booth seat, um, uh, a balcony seat, uh, but not not raised because the theater isn't isn't quite so big maybe like uh roped off or behind a railing um but like for for toyota since since he's one of my best customers and i know that he appreciates it um he's where the actors and actresses can you know sit on his lap and climb all over him and you know you know play with his hat or whatever 
playful thing they choose to do. Um, has uh, has the canteen been to the theater before? Once or twice. Um, so if Saffron would have watched to see how the canteen react to that, reacted to that sort of thing and would, you know, tailor his seating arrangements accordingly, do you think you would be some somewhere where you would want to just watch and not be a part of the action, or you, do you want to be down uh, in front? No, he wouldn't want to be part of the action. All right, uh, so you're probably with the canteen, not the, you're probably with the, the cons, if they, if they have arrived. Um, Saffron also knows that this is where, you know, people go to hobnob before the, before the show. Uh, so since you have been um, seen around with Pacifica, you know, um, Saffron probably would have put you near them somewhere so that you could perhaps talk and, and work things out, you know, wheel and deal. Mm -hmm. um, I think if, uh, if Saffron doesn't know what to expect from people, like with Jaco, he would probably have put Jaco um, in one of the good seats, uh, but not easily accessible. And then, you know, watched his reaction to see um, how he how he felt about the performers coming up to people and uh, and getting in their space. Um, as far as the first thing goes, um, I believe we said that the themes that we were exploring were um, death and rebirth and uh, rebirth and danger. Um, so I'm trying to think. Um, the the thing that I came up with was that Saffron based this show off of the text of an old book that he had found, uh, but kind of stripped out of stripped of all its cultural signifiers. Um, so the plot of it is the plot of Stephen King's Carrie. <laughs> okay, so describe uh, that to us in a stripped-of-all-cultural-signifiers way. Um, well, nobody, nobody knows what high school is or, or prom is. Um, so is there, is there a, a festival or some, some kind of a, a special thing that we celebrate, special holiday event uh, at, the, at the dam? I feel that's probably for you guys to answer. So, Brandon and Alex, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I think there is. It's uh, maybe we celebrate uh, the day that the the, like, the first cons, uh, you know, saved everyone. All right. Um, so it's it's the. Yeah. The story of a um, a young girl who is invited to the uh, Conde celebration. Um, she is she is mocked and scorned by everyone. Um, 
she discovers that she has this weird connection to the psychic maelstrom that she can uh, that she can tap into, and she is at the end um, reborn into a you know vengeful demon um, who um, destroys, I guess, the impure parts of. Uh, of the the dam and the um, the lake, uh, the the Mers. I'm sorry, uh, the the people who have uh, the people who have sinned and transgressed. And then at the end, there's this um, the the denouement is that things find a way to get back to back to normal they uh she she dies obviously at the end and uh the, the the good characters um the 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 good co- the con and the canteen manage to lead the people um back from the brink of disaster so there's that whole rebirth can be dangerous but it can also be can also be good because you you know purge the bad elements. All um, right. Um, some of the archetypes that I use. Um, uh, there's a there's a big uh, there's a big punishment angle. Uh, so there are a lot of doms and subs. Um, there's. Um, Sort of a, a a split between people characters who are naive versus versus experienced and and more manipulative. Um, the uh, the religious mother character, her big thing is denial. Oh. So she anyone who anyone who um, goes to bed with her tonight will be you know brought to the <laughs> brink and then denied pleasure. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm into it. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of what I what I picture. And and as I said, there there are some there are some sex jokes and some burlesque, but it's kind of like overdone and overwrought in a very high melodramatic style. That's a little bit absurd, but you can also kind of get into it. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> Um, so, about halfway through, uh, Ayazama, uh, Holland turns to you, and obviously no one's really seen this performance before, and he says, do you find it interesting that the woman is dressed in colors reminiscent of uh, Chrysler. Chrysler was the first... Wait, remind me who Chrysler is? Chrysler was the first con of the dam. So in that legend about the con... The first con conquering the bone chewers and driving them from the dam. Right, right. He's the one that... Uh, Dan. Is the is the uh, in in the legend of Chrysler? Is it known for certain whether it was a man or a woman? Uh, no, 
Um, and well, I, um, well, it seems uh, you know the the legend of Chrysler is open to interpretation, and the woman here seems to be fulfilling some sort of a savior role. This is in the middle of the performance, so it hasn't yet really been revealed. Oh, it's before the turn. Before oh. it's like, I am a god. I will destroy you. Um, in that case, uh, he just finds it interesting that the coloring for the costume that Saffron's chosen for this uh, woman, this woman being berated and teased, yeah. he finds it interesting that Saffron chose to put them in the colors of Chrysler, who is not seen as a weak uh, archetype in your legend. Well, uh, like Saizama says, well, uh, it's, you know, I, I honestly, I hadn't thought of it. It could be, it could be a coincidence or perhaps Saffron is trying to make some sort of statement or perhaps, you know, everything's going to change and this woman is going to rise up against the challenges against her, much like Chrysler did. Hmm. Be interesting to see how this goes. He sort of just leans back. Um... Saffron, you see Holland talking to down the front. You can sit on him from up the top of the theatre. Um, and so, as you're watching them talk, tell me... Actually, it occurs to me, the only person I haven't yet asked is Ozair. I thought it was Saffron. I asked Saffron last time. Um, Ozair! Why do you think Holland is covered head to toe all the time? To be honest, Ozair isn't paying attention. She is <laughs> laying on top of the lighting fixtures, partially Hold. asleep. Holding shit together. Like like yeah. a cat in a sunbeam, just on the warm yeah. lighting fixtures. Yeah. <clears throat> Alright, well that's fine. Um, excuse me. Um... Okay, so tell me, Saffron, does Lee Rowan's been here before, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Does he ever take part? Does he ever spend an evening with anyone? I feel like it depends on the performance and the nature of the characters. Uh, he's He strikes me as someone who would be particularly choosy. Um, so if, um, if he finds a character uh, who strikes his fancy, uh, he will he will partake in the in the after performance activities. Uh, but if not, you know he's he is perfectly fine with just waiting for the rest of his people to either partake or not. Hmm. And then they all leave together. Towards... Before the turn, he is, um... You see him eyeing off one of... Trying to do it covertly, but, you know, there's an, you can only be so covert about staring at an attractive person during a performance, um, he's sort of staring towards, like, this strong, muscular person that is portraying themselves as, like, d 
domineering and confrontational. Um, and then the turn happens. And, you know, this character is revealed to be the character, the main character of the plot is revealed to be like this powerful, mystical force. And like Lee Rowan is just completely in, uh, in, intoxicated by it. Like he cannot stop watching this character. Um, and it is, and and, and it, it is obvious that you have successfully uh, gained his attention. Fantastic. Mm. Um, I am, I want to take a look, pay specific attention to um, Jenko, or Jaco? Jaco. Jaco. Alright, um, Jaco in the past, like, he's only real, whenever he comes in, he's, he normally comes in at the end of a fishing season, uh, with or a bunch of his fishermen, and he and he gives them, and he brings them here as like a treat, you know. Yeah. Um. But you've invited him to come to this performance, and so he's here, kind of alone. Um. And he just is. He seems out of place. He seems <coughs> like he doesn't really know what he's doing. Um. Or how he should be reacting. He doesn't normally take part. So, like, to be here on his own, he doesn't really have the normal social safety net that he leans back on. So he's just this old man in a burlesque house with very little interest in what in the goings-on. All right. Uh, <coughs> Ayazama, do you say anything to Holland when the turn arrives and it is revealed this character is powerful? Um, that the the woman is powerful? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I zoned out before when Ryan was giving the description of the turn. I apologize. Um, oh, so, the turn, uh, so the turn is... I haven't seen Carrie, but my understanding is that the turn is when she is revealed to... Have psychic powers? Yeah. Right. They dump a bucket of blood at her on her. Uh, she's she's crowned prom queen, and then they they dump a bucket of blood on her as a practical joke, uh, and then she sets the gym on fire with her with her mind and murders everyone inside. Yeah. No, I I got that. So that's okay. Um. So I yeah. So I I turn to or I lean over to Holland, uh, and say it seems you made a very astute observation about uh, Chrysler. It seems that. She is indeed powerful. Perhaps, uh, perhaps Saffron was attempting to tell an alternate uh, beginning to Chrysler's life, one less focused on construction and more about the and the and the merits of their engineering prowess, and something more based around uh, a. M emotional hardships forging a powerful personality. It 
seems that is most definitely a possibility. Although I, I must admit, I'm no good at interpreting uh, theater like this. This is kind of a side of Holland you've never really seen before. Yeah. Just. It's deep. Yeah. You know, it's not a thing that you would expect of a dude named after a tractor brand. Or a lady. Or a lady. We just don't know. He is ambiguous. They are ambiguous. God damn it. (laughs) I'm a horrible cis monster. Everyone is misgendered in the post-apocalyptic future. No, Ayazama's not. They do she. I mean, that's the way. Uh, Doesn't really matter. Refers to themselves. So no one, no one's, no one's really gonna care. I mean, I don't think any of our characters care in particular. And obviously, Holland. It's it must have come up for Holland before. And if he or she hasn't corrected anyone, then it can't be that big of a deal. Anyway, sorry. Um, as the performance wraps. Um, Holland and Saffron's, uh, Holland and Saffron, Holland and Pacifica, Pacifica, who's kind of been quiet throughout the thing, she's, like, clearly been enjoying herself, she loves going and seeing the pageantry of all of this, um, uh, they sort of stand up and head towards the back to the bar, um, and hope to see Saffron there. Saffron, um... Hmm. I'm trying to think. Saffron is probably going to um, tie something around his face. Maybe he's got another handkerchief, or or he he um, begged a piece of a piece of silk from the uh, costume designer, or whatever whatever they had on hand. Um, to to cover his to cover his his face so that uh, nobody nobody can can see his uh, half paralyzed um, and he's gonna go up to you said it was Pacifica yeah okay uh, so yeah he he will be he will be waiting toward the um, toward the exit and the bar area to receive comments from the audience. Uh, if they so choose, um, after the after the show, after the performance, the lights go up, um, and the during during the bows, they the performers come out and and give a bow, and then they go out into the audience and start looking for people who may you know who might be interested, and they gravitate toward the ones who uh, seem to be reacting to their character. Yeah, it gets a bit. I would describe the uh, energy in the room as that of a bunch of high school theater kids at the drunken, unofficial after-party for the last night of their end-of-year performance. You know, there's lots of people... Just making out, out in the open, before, like, scootling off to seclusion. 
you know, uh, lots of open physical interaction, but no one's like just having sex in the theater. Okay, that's uh, that's good. We we do have we do have rooms. The performers have rooms that they can take their clients up to, um, where they can be alone. Yeah. Uh, and Saffron and Holland are there. Uh, Saffron, Saffron and Holland, Pacifica and Holland. God damn. Um, I'm just fucking up all the names. Pacifica uh, grabs your hand. Saffron is like, it was such a wonderful show as always. Yeah, I, I'm so, I'm always so impressed by the way you come up with these. Uh interesting new stories to tell. I don't know how you do it. Hmm. They're there inside of all of us. I, I, simply, I simply give the uh, give the unspoken voice. Wonderful. Uh, tell me, was... Was the outfit meant to uh, that that the main character wore? Was it meant to evoke uh, a lineage to Tiber? Um, just out of character, remind me who Tiber was. Was Tiber is the Murs version of Chrysler? Oh yes, yes. Uh, Tiber um, is known to be a man and is often depicted as bristling with muscle and armed with only a spear. Um, in that case, Saffron is going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit vague and say, um, "It was, it was meant to be evocative of the, uh, the founding, the founding of the union between the dam and the barge." The uh, the entire performance was a, a meditation on the the theme of rebirth and regrowth, and nothing can nothing can be born without first dying. Um, nothing new can emerge without the old order being swept away. It's about man's inhumanity to man. <laughs> um. Yes, wonderful. Uh, Holland sort of nods and then says, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, we may have to come see it again this season. Uh, see how the different energy of each night changes the way the piece unfolds. Well, thank you, Cons, for gracing us with your presence. It's always a pleasure. Come back whenever you like. We'll be honored to have you. Wonderful. Uh, we must uh, adjourn, uh, but thank you for playing host. As they walk towards the door, unless, like, Ayazama or something stops and it's like, oh, hey, I want to just have a quick chat. You no. do notice that they are standing a lot closer to one another than they normally do. Ooh. <gasps> Someone's um, going to be in a good mood tomorrow. And then you see uh, their two main bodyguards. The large man 
uh, steps up behind Pacifica, and the uh, wom- the loud woman slash advisor steps up uh, to Holland, um, and they uh, close in tight behind them. It's not like there's something off about it. The way that the four of them are sort of moving in concert, it's not quite clear what's going on. Okay. Can I read a person or sitch? Uh, I will let you use read a person. Read a person. So that's plus sharp. Okay. Yeah, I would also like to attempt that because... Yeah, go for it. Uh, sharp. So that's seven, eight. Again. So I get one question. Um... What does your character intend to do, or what do they intend to do? They... Hmm. It's clear to you that there is more between the bodyguards and the cons Mm. than should be allowed between the cons and people that are not the cons. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ryan? I got a nine, uh, so I'm going to ask, um, what are the cons really feeling? The cons are feeling <sighs> deeply enamored with one another. This isn't... This isn't... There's some there's there's a beauty to the rel- to the relationship between the cons. It's not it's not the it's not the guttural sort of base uh, rutting that most people uh, associate with love and sex in this world. They're, they they it's clear that they care about one another and have very deep connections to one another. They don't have sex. They they make love genuinely. Okay. Good for them. So my okay, sexual... There's anything wrong with bestial sex. Like, go for it. Whatever. Yeah. My, uh, my sexy rendition of a, of a horror film is uh, lit a fire in the, uh, in the passions of their heart. Good. Very good. You know it. <laughs> now you know what makes the cons tick. <laughs> yep. Uh, cool. Uh, so... Ozair. Noticing this- that mm. the show is over, yeah. Ozair looks down at the floor... And she's going to read a situation. Go for it. What are these Yay. strange other people doing? Um, I got a, let's say, 13. Holy heck. That's 11, 12, 13, yeah. So I would like to know for my first question, um, what should I be on the lookout for? Hmm. 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 
Do I have a thing that will work for what I want? Um, okay. Um, you notice that Bar had left some tools lying around. Um, he had his tool belt, but he also had a large tool chest that he had at, like, the base of the lighting rig. Um, and as you're sort of getting ready to, you know, pack up your stuff, you notice that uh, despite the normally, like, cluttered and messy nature of, our, of the world you, you live in, Bar's tools are very neatly organised. Uh, everything has its place, and there is something missing from his toolbox. You should be on the lookout for Bar's missing screwdriver. Alright, let's see. What's my enemy's true position? Your enemy's true position. I'm trying to think who your enemies are. All these dirty people are my enemies. No. <laughs> um, your enemy's true position is somewhere far from here. <clears throat> Alright, and for my final and last question, where's my best escape route? The only reason I rolled this. <laughs> uh, your best escape route. This boat was not originally really built to be a theatre. It's been converted into one. Um, if you uh, climb upwards, you should be able to get to a sort of half-hammered shut, nailed shut, sorry, uh, window that you could pry open, and then you would be on one of the upper decks, and then from there you could just either jump off the boat or very easily run down to the lower deck and climb onto a, one of the little taxi ships, effectively. Alright, Solid Ozair has her crowbar in hand and begins the ascent. Alright. You, yeah, you get up there and you pry, you pry open the window. Yep. Cool. And, and then you run away. Alright, cool. You bought a boat. You, you go home. Yes. Haha. <laughs> cool. Alright. Um, Ayazama. Yes. What are you and Babylon doing? Um, I am... We, we're talking at the bar, and I am letting Babylon decide if she wants to uh, stick around longer. You sort of see her drinking. How how many times has Babylon been here? How frequently does she get to come? I think this is her first time. Phrasing. 
Uh, um, phrasing for both of us, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's sort of looking around as she's drinking this strange concoction, and she's um, and you can tell, like, she's really wide-eyed. Like, it is a mixture of shock and like, or no shock and like. Um, what is a way to describe this? I know how I would describe it to myself, but that doesn't help y'all. Um, have you guys ever gone to an event or something that you've never been to, and you sort of thought that it would kind of be kind of okay, but not super interesting, but then it turned out that it was like your new favorite thing ever, like you've... You realise that this thing, you needed it to be a part of your life. Not quite, but I know what you're talking about. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's the way that I felt like the first time I went to a convention. I'm like, this is going to be boring. And then I'm like, holy shit, this is amazeballs. Yeah. And then I returned to my current state of hair. It's kind of right. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Ayazama sees it. Uh, so, did you enjoy the show, Babylon? Um, she sort of, uh, shuffles a little, and it's like, um, you know, I thought it was interesting. Did any of the performers catch your eye? Um, she kind of stares into her drink for a minute. Ayazama... Does Babylon think that you want her to be exclusive to you? Um, Does she think that? Whether you actually... Whether Ayazama actually wants that is another matter. Ayazama is pro-traditional marriage. <laughs> Ma marriage is between a man and a man and a man and a man. <laughs> The way the gods intended. The way the gods intended. <laughs> yes. If you can't put a piece of wood on top of your marriage and eat on it, it doesn't count. Um, <laughs> they call it square the, marriage. They yeah. call it the table marriage. Yes. If your marriage isn't a table, or at least a nightstand, then no. Um, uh, does, does, does Babylon think she's supposed to... Um, I I. I think they may have had uh, brought other people in over the years, but for the most part, they are exclusive to each other. You love each other, but you occasionally have sex with other people. Together. Yeah, indeed. Yes. It's like that. We make it a couple. Yeah, you bring in you bring a young you bring in a young perky teen. Yes, who is of, upon who is of the age of majority. Just yes. to be clear. Yes, whatever whatever that is in a, eighteen. Sure, yes, they are yeah, at least whatever. eighteen. They have to have seen at least eighteen penises before they are allowed <laughs> to have sex. That is how we measure time spans. How many penises yeah. you have seen? Yeah. Because if you're on the fence fighting the bone chewers at night, you've seen a few. Yes. Um, okay. 
So she says, um, there were, there were some, and she sort of shuffles about herself again, um, sort of like squirming. Well, uh, I, I know you haven't been to the show before, but if you liked their performances, you should talk to them, and we can all go upstairs. Could 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 we talk to them t together? Yes. Um, okay. Uh, and she sort of like grins wickedly and sort of drags you over towards some of the performers that she was deeply interested in. Sure. Brilliant. You're gonna That's have how a, that night goes. You're gonna have a fantastic evening. Yep. Uh, Saffron. You've sort of meted and greeted people, and people are starting to find performers. Uh, you can see that Lee Rowan is talking to, I assume, Dandelion was the... Main, uh, the protagonist, yes. Yeah, yeah. So he's talking to Dandelion in character. Um, and... They're just sort of hanging out at one of the private tables before they head upstairs. Um, what are you doing? Um, I think I am going to see if I can check up on uh, on Jaco because you said he he looked a little out of sorts. I want to see if I can say like you know, put him at ease, or at least thank him for coming, you know, if he doesn't want to enjoy one of the uh, after-performance uh, experiences, at least I can send him on his way without it being awkward. Alright, so, you find him, he's sort of been having, like, not so much awkward as it is short conversations with a bunch of people. He is known as being the kind of person you can go to for advice. Um, and so, like, he's having, like, two or three sentence exchanges with people and then, like, they're walking off and he's like, yep, I'm just here existing. I guess I'm gonna have a drink or I'm something. Better than the alternative. <laughs> Uh, so he's just sort of milling about. All right. Um, I will. I will go up to him and and um, just say, um, "Oh, Jaco, I'm so happy to see that you you came tonight. I I just wanted to thank you for you know everything you do for the community. Um, we wouldn't be able to eat without you. Yeah." Uh... You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um. Uh, thank you for the invitation. I, I appreciate the, the 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 weight of the gesture. I, I, I understand, you know, its purpose. Um, I am going to read him. Go for it. Read that person. Alright, uh, that is plus sharp. Check that thing. Plus zero. Watch me whiff this. 
Do it. Uh, no, I got an eight. Well, so, what do you do? Um, what does he wish that I would do? He wishes that you would reveal your true purpose to him. He understood the gesture. He doesn't understand why you made it. He doesn't understand the real reason you brought him here. He doesn't think that you did it to actually show, like, as a sign of, like, you're an important part of the community. He thinks it's for some, some other reason. Okay. Like, he gets that you didn't, but he gets that you didn't invite him here to put him in an awkward situation. You right. invited him here to like this was meant to be a the theater is considered a nice thing to do in the community. I want you to come and see this nice thing. So he doesn't think you're trying to like get him off kilter. He just thinks you're trying to not bribe, but just put him in a nice mindset. He doesn't. He yeah. He doesn't hold it against you for making him come to a thing he didn't want to go to. Okay. Um, hmm. In that case, I I am going to I am going to just say to him, um, I I do appreciate I do appreciate you coming. Um, I've, I've seen you at the end of the season, uh, you, you come in with the, uh, with the rest of the fishing crew, and, uh, you, you never partake, uh, in the, in the after-show delights. I, I was, I was curious to see if, uh, maybe you were trying to maintain some decorum in front of your your crew and maybe you would like uh, an opportunity to relax and unwind. Forgive me if I overstepped. Um, he takes a drink and then says, no, you didn't overstep. It's um, <sighs> the maintaining decorum is not the reason, although and he sort of gestures, and you see one of the other fishermen is here, the large uh, woman from the first run that helped Brandon's character, Ozair, move the engine. Right. Um, he says, but it's I wouldn't be able to drop that, even if that were the case. I just don't particularly find it Engaging. It's just not a thing that I'm into. Not that I begrudge anyone that would enjoy it, and I certainly understand the artistry of it, but the subject matter tends not to interest me. Mm. Well, fair enough. Um, uh... Enjoy your drink and uh, have a have a pleasant evening. And I suppose I'll I'll look forward to seeing you at the end of the season again. But you're welcome anytime. Tell me, uh, Saffron. says so this is him speaking. This is Jacob. Mm -hmm. What do you plan to do about Bean? 
Bean... Bean doesn't see the value of this. And I, I sort of gesture to gesture to everyone. Um, our life is a hard life. And sometimes we need something that can show us the beauty of it again. The reason it's worth living. Hmm. You're not wrong. Tell me, uh, Ryan, why, what, what was this boat doing before you entered the community? Because you are an outsider by birth. So, what was, what, what was this ship doing before you came here? Um, hmm. I mean, it could be like it was abandoned at another part of the lake and people were like, oh, that boat will never sail, so we'll just we'll leave it there. And then like you were like, no, fuck it, I need it. Uh, or maybe someone else had it and you took over it. Um, well, one of my relationships is um, three NPCs have an interest in your establishment and I put that I owe a character named Gams for it. Um... So, um, perhaps, perhaps, uh, Gams was, uh, kind of, kind of a recluse, um, a part of the community, but not really a, uh, not really, uh, anyone Im important, uh, didn't really stick or, uh, consider themselves either a mer or a dammer. Um, and lived on this, uh, old riverboat alone, maybe, but would also take in, in take in outsiders from time to time. And um, that included myself and my parents. And Gam was a stray cat lady, but instead of stray cats, it was stray people. Right. She took in. She took in because she, because I, I guess uh, we'll make Gam a, a a woman. Why not? Um, Gam took in people who reminded her of herself because she was sort of an outsider in the community. Nobody, nobody particularly cared for her. Um, so that's what, that's how my parents ended up living on the boat. Um, and they moved on, but I stayed. And when, when Gam, when, when Gam died, she left me the boat to do with as I please. Nice. And so maybe maybe that's part of the reason why there's so many children on this boat. <laughs> you take in strays like she did. Yeah. That was one of the stipulations. Anyone who needs a home and asks gets one. Yeah, maybe. Including a whole bunch of chain-smoking children. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, yeah. Uh, Jaco puts his hand on your shoulder and says, I think Gam would understand the necessity of this place. 
and then he turns away, finishes his drink, and leaves. All right. All right, cool. Cool. Um, after that, I, I think uh, Saffron is just going to continue to to hobnob a bit with those who aren't, um, you know, indulging in the in the after festivities. Uh, Saffron kind of like provides people with a graceful exit because oh, if I don't want to, you know, sleep with a prostitute, I can go talk to Saffron about how much I enjoyed the show and then leave. Yeah. Um, Ayazama does uh, go over to Saffron for a quick moment, though, while uh, Babylon is talking with whatever performer. Uh, Ayazama goes over. Oh, uh, Saffron, there was quite an uh, interesting show. Thank you again for the invitation. Well, thank you for coming, Cantina. I'm, I'm very pleased that you enjoyed it. I, I just wanted to make sure that you were all right after your incident on the shore yesterday. Oh, oh, yes. Um... Those, those things rarely happen, um, but I'm I'm recovering. Um, I I tend to, I tend to channel these things into my art. So. <laughs> yes, it was quite an interesting experience. Uh, so it, if if that's the case, then which character here was portraying the Amber Queen? Oh. Uh, I don't know if there was a, a direct one-to-one, -one, uh, direct one-to-one -one correlation there, um, but I've always I've always found the the severe distant mother and matriarch uh, sort of evoked the ruler of my parents' homeland for me. Well, she seems like a most interesting woman. Remember, you can use read a person on other players. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's just a suggestion. Uh. Um, as you are uh, talking to Ayazama, Saffron, you see someone walking up behind them? Um, it's one of the uh, Murs, uh, someone that does a lot of uh, the. What do the Murs do for the community? Like the majority of the Dammers are engineers and laborers. What do the dam? What do the Murs do? The Murs are probably the the fishers and the hunters. Um. And like the security people at the fences, uh, I guess like all the above ground stuff. Yeah, yeah it's just murder propaganda. They just sit around and are lazy. <laughs> we just sit around <laughs> in our boats, drinking mai tais, eating bonbons, whatever those are. All the jammers do all the hard work. Yeah, that's right. I believe the bonbon is an old wooden ship. Ah. Um, uh. As uh, you see someone, um, it's one of the people that works the bar on the barge, you know, where you went to pick up Dandelion the other day? Yes. Um, sort of looking scruffy, a bit drunk perhaps, uh, sort of wandering toward, up behind Ayazama. Um, I, I kind of... Uh 
uh, gesture to Ayazama that there's someone coming up behind him and uh, uh, smile warmly as this under under my you know face wrap as my as this person approaches us. I I turn and look at them. You guys both notice his eyes, like the whites of his eyes, look yellow. Not like a deep yellow, but like uh, like nicotine stained skin. Okay. Kind of a yellow. As he sort of is wandering towards you guys. Um, and he says, ah, uh, Canteen, Saffron, um, I was wondering if, uh, maybe you guys could help me? Uh, what is the matter? I, um, I, uh, I just, I sort of, uh, it's hard to put into words, I and he sort of, um, he scratches at his head with one hand as he reaches into his, uh, jacket with the other. And it looks like he's, like, scratching under his arm as well as he's rubbing his head. And he's like, I just, um, I just, I, I don't really know. Do the stars look different to you? Um, it's. I, I guess there's. Is there like a a deck to the ship where we could like go outside and and look? Yeah, I would imagine. You can yeah. probably see out some windows. All right. Yeah. So I'll I'll look out the window. Are the stars different? They look like stars. You're not an astronomer. Nope. Uh, they don't look any different to me. And no, uh, to me. He looks at Saffron. It's like you changed your face. Oh yes, the uh, there was an unfortunate mishap backstage, and the mask was shattered. Your first thought, Saffron, is like sometimes people drink a little much and they act weird. Like he's probably just drunk. Yeah. Um, whether that, whether you want to examine that deeper, is up to you. I'm. Um, but yeah, yeah can I be your first uh, Sure. Would that be, I guess, read a person? Yeah. Plus sharp. Let's see. How do we do? Uh, eight. Nice. Yes. You get one hold, I assume. Actually, it's not even one hold. You just ask a question straight away. I ask any question. Well, it is one hold, but I ask which oh. I spent to ask one question. Um... Uh, hmm, what do they wish I do? Um, what is that character really feeling? Disdain. Do I know what for? Mm, it's not obvious. Okay. You can tell that they are upset about something. Yeah, it's just... Everything keeps changing. Like, I feel like everything's changing. Like, 
And I don't know. I don't. I just. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know. What? What's? What's your? Calm down. What? What is your name? Uh, my name is. My name. My name, sir, is. <coughs> or wait. Or I wait, have this. I you have like know everyone, right? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um. All right. So this is uh, this is pipe. Oh, it's pipe. Yeah. All right. Um, well, pipe is often sometimes you've uh, you've heard pipe referred to occasionally as paradise. Um, as like a nickname. Uh, someone on uh his former work team. He was a dam that transferred to the Murs. Mm-hmm. He got accepted as a mer, and he's often referred to. People call him Paradise occasionally at the bar. Is there a reason for that? Um, there could be. Um, <laughs> there's no, there's no spout law role, is there? No. Um, would they reasonably know it? If not, they don't know it. If they do, they do know it. That's how much way. of your how much of your congregation is from the dams? Um, I, I I think it's a pretty even split. All right. In that case, I don't have a coin on me. Uh, I'll so roll what? a Odds, odds. I don't know. Evens. I do. All right. What'd you get? I got a five. So I don't know. Alright, yeah, you don't know why he's called Paradise. Well, tomorrow, perhaps you could come to this, uh, come to the, uh, I wrote it there, the, the aquifer tomorrow morning, and, and we can talk, and, uh, perhaps I can help you with the, with the water. I, I don't, I don't think I should have the water. I don't think that's a good idea. I just, I just, I just I'm worried that it'll change me, and I don't want to change, like, if we get the power on, everything's going to change. <laughs> change is a natural part of life. But the right. stars are changing, and he pulls a screwdriver out from under his arm and lunges towards Saffron. Uh, I am going to go aggro on him. Uh, oh, no, wait, no, it would be... Yeah, I'm going to fight this motherfucker. Yeah, go for it. Uh... So that's going going aggro? Yeah. Um, I'm going to help because... Uh, so basically, oh, raw combat moves. I guess that would be single combat. Um, so I'm going to roll plus hard, or is it going aggro? Yeah, plus hard. Um, do you want to kill him, or do you want to... No, ba basically I want to... Stop. I want I want to like judo chop his arm so he drops the screwdriver. Right. More so wouldn't that be do Wouldn't that be go aggro because you're trying? You're re it's really about getting him to not do the thing. Yeah, yeah. you're not trying to like kill him. Yeah. No, yeah. So I roll yeah. plus hard. That's a seven. And Saffron, how are you helping to judo chop him? Well, I, it doesn't it doesn't really matter because. Uh, you can only add plus one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you add plus one. I'm just saying, like, what is your... 
it's got to have some kind of narrative reason how you're helping. Yeah, I I was going to you know try to uh, grab the hand with the screwdriver in it and struggle with him, you know, so that he's trying to attack me, um, and the canteen is is coming in and and beating the crap out of him, or you know trying to trying to get him off of me. So I'm I'm gonna like. Try to hold his hand so he can't really keep fight. his focus on you while the canteen right, so. disables him. All right, so you got a exactly. so that's a plus one to your roll. So so wait, so that saffron is holding his is holding his hand with the screwdriver. Yeah, yeah. I do have to. Okay. I do have to roll. Oh, you um, do have to roll to aid. I thought it was like it, at um, least it's plus hicks. Yeah. I thought it was Eclipse Phase Rules. You well, describe that you are aiding, and then you get a bonus. Oh, no, you can get plus two to help. Now. Oh, okay. Oh, on a ten plus. Yeah, yeah. hang on. Um, so my history with you is three, oh, and man. I got a six, so that's a nine. Ooh. All right, so that's plus one. So that puts me at eight. So if, if Saffron's holding his hand... Uh, with the screwdriver, then instead of trying to judo chop it out, I'm just trying to like, uh, like hold him, like get my arms up behind him so that he can't, you know, hit anyone. What was the name of your bodyguard again? Oh, uh, Nipperkin. Yeah, out of nowhere, Nipperkin <laughs> is suddenly on the boat. You don't remember him getting an invite? No. Uh, he does that sometimes. But he just sort of like steps in off the veranda the deck uh, and you see him you're like you've got the guy like round the waist and then Nippikin sort of like puts his uh, one arm up under the guy's neck so that the guy his elbow the inside of his elbow is like pressing hard against the guy's neck and he just starts choking him out don't don't kill him Nippikin I won't kill him uh, and you hear uh, him saying something like but the stars they're wrong they're wrong. The stars are wrong, and he's so, like crying. Um, um, oh dear, oh dear. Um, n- here, n- Nipperkin. Uh, I'm gonna lead them. I'm gonna lead them to like a side room, um, you know, away from everybody watching and tr- hopefully trying to have a good time after my play. Um, here, take him in. He- put him in here until he calms down. Yeah, you like quickly drag him behind the thing. Um, <laughs> and we will end with you laying him down as he's choked out uh, and his uh, shirt sort of b- having been ripped slightly in the struggle. You see uh, a smear of yellow under his uh, cloth and Nipikin yeah. leans in and rips the shirt open. And you see this sort of strange, smudged, yellow mark. You can't quite make out what it is. Uh, But it stares into you. Oh, God. Uh, You can roll weird. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to open my brain. Uh, I I turn I turn to uh, I turn to um, and I uh, well I, I turn to Ayazama and I say um, 
don't worry, Canteen. I I'll make sure that this this poor man gets the help he needs. Uh, please uh, return. You know, it, it's it's your night off. I I can. Uh, Unfortunately, I can handle this. we don't really get nights off. I I will stay and help, however I can. Very well then. Um, if the thing that happened yesterday should happen again, uh, just make sure that I don't swallow my own tongue. Would the dice be so cruel? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes they would, and especially because I'm at a minus one. Okay, let's see. Eight. Same. So, not quite as cruel, but not the strong hit I was hoping for. Oh, so and I get the mark XP. Describe to us how opening your mind oh, yeah, I rolled hard. Psychic I Yonder you works for you. What does it look uh, like? Both to those watching and, like, on the inside of your mind. I feel like, um... To, to those looking, to those observing from the outside, uh, it looks like Saffron kind of kneels down beside, uh, beside Pipe and just sort of focuses on that strange yellow smudge um, and maybe, maybe like reaches out to, to it and, and rub some of it off onto his fingertips if it comes off. Um, and and then... Inside... Um, there was... There was... I guess you would call it a mantra that his mother taught him when he was a child uh, that he repeats over and over to himself in his head. Uh, it's just nonsense syllables. Uh, really, been... I would have assumed. I would have just assumed that it would actually be a paragraph from the Yellow King. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one could read the Yellow King. Oh, that's a good point. Um, maybe, maybe there's. Uh, you know what? I I do like that. Maybe it's a it's a stanza or two of Casilda's song from the King in Yellow. Um. Yeah, indeed. How does That's it go? Uh, do you want the my... what, do you want the part about black stars, or do you want the <laughs> song of my soul part? The song of my soul. My voice is dead. Die thou unsung. As tears unshed. Dry and die in lost Carcosa. Yeah. Ryan, hit me with it. Okay, so. You repeat this mantra, and then what do you see or feel? Like Brandon said that uh, Ozair sees like a world of machinery. Oh, um, well, if Saffron was originally from the uh, from the um, the mines, the sulfur mines, then I assume that everything she sees in the psychic maelstrom is some kind of underground. Every time, everything that he sees in the psychic maelstrom is some kind of underground tunnel or conduit 
um, rough-hewn from stone and vaguely, vaguely yellow-tinged. Yeah, okay. So you see a man uh, made, carved from stone like a statue uh, in a room, a very tight quarters. There's other statues around. Um, there's hammocks strung up on the wall, carved from stone. There's small tables carved of stone, cups of stone. Corrugated iron walls made of stone. Um, and he reaches down and picks up a, a cup of stone and splashes uh, the gravel inside it across the floor as the stone dissolves to the floor. He's sort of storming around. And you see him uh, as the others climb into their hammocks you see him get down onto the stone floor and pull a part of it aside and he pulls out a small box and then he opens it and when he opens the box the whole room is tinted yellow as he picks it up and you see him pick a tiny piece of the stone off and eat it and he's shaking the whole time and you just feel like this scene repeats itself over and over and over again. And there's a feeling of isolation and alienation that grows as you feel it repeating over and over and over and over again. Right. <sighs> Tell me, what was the last thing your mother said to you before they moved on from this place, from the Mers, from the dam? Um, hmm. Do I want to be ominous or <laughs> uplifting? Both. Uh, um, she says, she said to me, um, Your father and I can never stop running, but you might be young enough that she won't see you. So stay and pray that she doesn't. Sort of a big bad wolf kind of a thing going on. All right. Um, Alex, did you say that Ayazama was also going to open their mind? Sorry, I lost the mute. I lost the mute button. Uh, no, he he is not going to open his mind. Yeah, he good. is All right, uh, well then, not comfortable I, with that. I think, considering that it's quarter past midnight, we'll end it there. All quarter right. past midnight for you guys. Obviously, it's only like two fifteen for me. Um, so that's the end of the run. Uh, end of session stuff. Does anyone feel like they know another character better? Uh, I feel like I know Saffron a little better. All right. So you could take plus one, Saffron. Hooray. That uh, brings me to history plus four. So I mark XP. Yep. And then reset it to zero or to one? Uh, one. All right. Anyone else? 
Um, I I kind of feel like I know Ozair a little bit better because he uh, she, they came and she 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 whatever she they by pure happenstance happened to be on your boat <laughs> just when you needed them. Hey, maybe oh. Nipperkin was Savvy Head too. Maybe maybe Nipperkin is also <laughs> he took the Savvy Head move. Yeah, just that one. <laughs> he took mm. it. He traded in one of his, I don't know, battle babe, whatever. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> traded in the battle babe move. Although the, you could just take a move from another sheet as one of your advancements, so that's what he did. He just took a yeah. took that one. So yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, you can get plus one. I think uh, Saffron sees a little bit more that uh, Ozair isn't just this. You know, anti-social uh, tech head. Uh, she actually has, you know, she's actually capable of, of playing the game because she demanded a favor. Yeah. Okay, that puts me at four, which resets to one and gives me XP. Did not get an advancement. Darn, one away. One of these days, I'll get an advancement. Yeah, I'm one two away. I'm three. Got a. Does so anyone. Yeah, you just gotta roll. Yeah. If no one knows you better, because I don't think anyone knows you better, choose a character that doesn't know you as well as they thought. Um, I think. Um, hmm. I think Saffron doesn't know me as well as they thought. I think even though I know them better. They don't know me. So you take a minus one saffron. Okay. Oh. That brings me down to plus one. Sweet. Yeah. Alright. Cool. Is there anything else we need to do at the end of the session? I don't believe so. No, I think that's it. Nope. Yep. Cool. Alright. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to this, and hopefully you you three enjoyed playing. Um, I did. I did, yeah, a lot. Mm, no. Brandon hated it. Hated every minute of it. <laughs> uh, farewell from the past. I'm Raymond, and I almost hit the mute button instead.